When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Eric Torres. Jason Martin. Jason Martin, you know how good of a night tonight is right now? It's preposterous, Aaron. No, no, no. Absolutely I, preposterous. I need to tell you how good of a night is. We got five TVs going. I'm sitting here watching these games. The intro is rolling in, and I go, oh, expletive. I don't have headphones right now. So I sprinted back into the uh, producer's room, grabbed some headphones, and I made it on air. Nobody would have known, but I am, I'm a man who tells nothing but the truth. So with that said, we are here. Fox Sports Radio, yes, I have headphones in case anybody is worrying. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations may apply. A little out of breath from doing the Usain Bolt uh, into the other studio and coming back. But So Jason Martin, um, I'm driving in studio. I'm convinced that we're going to be talking a lot of OU Texas to open this show. And and I I, I think we're going to talk about it plenty throughout the show. But 
Texas A&M 24, Alabama 10, uh, Kentucky 28, LSU 7, which doesn't feel as though it should be that important. Mm -hmm. This kind of feels like a Coach O tarmac game where he just gets Mm -hmm. left behind in Lexington and Michigan and Nebraska battling among many others. So I know I already asked you once, but how you doing and are you ready for what is going to be a fun, fun four hours of, of sports talk here? I've been excited all day because as everything has unfolded, Aaron, I just knew we were coming in here to do this show. And there's so much to talk about. I had three different takeaways written down, but all of them get blanked if what's happening right now in College Station continues. Now, I'm going to make one point here as the third quarter has begun. And this is a point that I have stuck to for a long time. It It's one thing to get up on the big dog. It's one thing to actually find yourself with a lead and feel like, hey man, we, we could actually win this game. It is a completely different animal to look up at a scoreboard with 1249 left in the third quarter, up two scores on the team, the it team of this century in college football, mm-hmm. and actually finish the job. I've seen a lot of teams almost beat great teams in all sports. Is A&M ready? Because watching the game tonight... This looks like one where Alabama is just a little bit off. And it, and if you're A&M, whatever your season's going to be, this is your Super Bowl. This is your national championship, your opportunity against this team. Like, there's no more important game that these kids are going to play than the one that they're playing against Alabama, and they're giving them their best shot. But there's so much time left in this game, and I've seen this movie before (laughs) with the Patriots, with Alabama, with the Yankees in the late 90s. Like, you have to finish the job because sometimes it's harder to actually hang on and win than it is to actually get even a substantial lead. We've seen this thing happen before. Absolutely. So let's start with this game. And again, we're planning on talking a lot of Texas-Oklahoma to lead this show. And and we will get to plenty of it. Uh, The game of the year, the game of many, many, many years. Just an incredible, incredible game uh, this afternoon. But let's start with this Alabama-Texas A&M game. As you heard, that was not a typo or an error or a verbal error on my part. Texas A&M coming out of the locker room leads 24-7 early third quarter and you know what's there's a lot surprising about this game Jay Mart uh mostly the score but what's not what's weird is there's nothing fluky there was no uh pick six followed by Alabama recovers the the or you know Alabama fumbles the next kickoff and A&M returns it the other way A&M is just a better team early and part of it is you know Alabama off that emotional win over Ole Miss, whatever. But AM is playing out of their minds. The other thing that I would say, too, this is what we talked about with the Florida game. They were not great along the line of scrimmage. AM right now is running the ball over four yards per carry. Zach Calzada is having the game of his life. He's their starting quarterback for people who are not familiar with AM. But th- that what is surprising is that there is nothing fluky about this through two quarters and change. Alabama has simply not been the better team. Texas A&M has done everything right to put themselves in position to take this lead. See, that's that's what it is. This is a night where as you watch the game, you say, you know what? A&M looks better tonight. Like tonight, I'm not saying overall, but tonight Alabama doesn't look like Alabama. Tonight Alabama looks vulnerable. Uh, A&M did play the better first half. You're right. It was not fluky stuff. It was just good football. It was rock solid, incredibly good football. And you're looking at, what, 24-0 and for Saban against his assistants, 4-0 and against Jimbo Fisher, and now you have this opportunity in front of you. 
A&M knows it. Now what's rattling around in every one of their players' brains is, holy crap, we might be able to beat Alabama. Like I'm sorry, the ways that you the way that you walk into that stadium if you're a And M, I have to sense they're like, oh, this might be a long night. But then you get out there and it starts to go right for you. I mean, Zach Calzada hasn't just been like average the last few weeks. Aaron, he's been bad. Awful. Like he hasn't been good at all at the quarterback spot. So that's why this game looked like well, CBS puts this in the primetime window. They thought this was going to be game of the year material because everybody was so high on A&M before the season started, but this might be a laugher. And I said to my wife right before I walked out of the house, I said, you know what? Alabama might be in trouble tonight. Hmm. And she said, no, 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 no. I'm like, something about this one. There's, there is, everybody is entitled to an off night, even Nick Saban. And I'm watching this and I'm just like, this Alabama team just doesn't look like they're firing tonight. This one looks different than the Florida game. This one looks like Alabama could actually be beaten if A&M is ready to finish it. Well, and you know, it's funny because we've talked about this with all the other marquee teams, uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame even, which by the way is losing right now in the third quarter against Virginia Tech up by one point, um, is that we all operate in this space in college football and I don't blame anybody for doing this because we have a four five six year track record it doesn't matter who Alabama loses doesn't matter who Clemson loses doesn't matter who Ohio State loses they are going to be fine they're going to figure it out they're Alabama everybody else is everybody else same with Ohio State in the Big Ten same with Clemson in the ACC I think what we're, I think Clemson or Alabama, excuse me, is being afflicted by the same thing that Clemson has been afflicted with, and at least early Ohio State is, which is they are finally. It took us 15 years, J Mart, but I do think this is the year where they lost so many guys over the last year or two, and we always just assume they're going to replace people. But we're talking about four first round picks at wide receiver the last two years, and we all know who those guys are. Most of them are balling out. Devontae Smith has been awesome for the Eagles. Uh, Henry Ruggs has been great for the Raiders. Jerry Judy for your Broncos. Najee Harris is gone. A starting left tackle who now plays for the Oakland Raiders, or uh, Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me, is gone. Mac Jones, who obviously played so well Sunday night football last week. I think Alabama is just like any of these other teams where um, they've just lost so much in such a short amount of time, and we always assume next man up, everything's going to be fine, this and that. And I just, watching them this year, even last week, Jason, even last week with that win over Ole Miss, if Lane Kiffin doesn't coach them out of that game early, who knows what that final score is, how competitive it is late. But they, I bring it up because Alabama struggled a few weeks ago against Florida, struggled to hold on to win that game. Ole Miss game, you know, I feel like it's a largely throw-it-out-the-window game because, again, Lane Kiffin 0-3 on, on fourth down early basically cost in the game. And now we have a, another performance where they are just – they are not that physically overwhelming team team to SEC competition that they have been throughout, as you said, most of this century, frankly. They are in trouble. Their offensive line, A&M at this point, I don't know that they have Bryce Young shook, but they've got this offensive line nearly false starting on every play. They're just sending guys. They just got Young again. It's 4th and 17, and and Bama's going to have to punt pretty much from midfield. Every time I look up, Bryce Young is on the ground. Like A&M is getting to him Pretty consistently, and by the way, the one thing that you didn't mention in your very, I mean, what you said is exactly right, but they have one other loss that might want to be mentioned as well, uh, and that's I know, Sark. Yep. I knew you were um, I mean, now you got Bill O'Brien and whatever, but Sarkeesian's offense, 
made that made that thing go. Yeah, they had a ton of talent for Sarkeesian to mess around with, but this offense just doesn't look quite as dynamic. And yeah, you lost a lot of playmakers along the way, but you just keep on rolling through offensive coordinators. Eventually, that has to take its toll. It's been amazing what Alabama has been able to do because of how often they have to reload. But usually, there's they have such a deep bench on the field, you don't notice it as much. But when you lose Sarkeesian, who look maybe he's a lot better than we might have even thought at this point in time, because that was a hell of a game today that he lost. But certainly, just an outstanding performance. I, I look at this and I'm just like. I don't know about the offense, and I certainly don't know about the protections right now because somebody or somebody's are blowing assignments left and right, and the old line coach is not having a good night at all for Alabama. Well, and it's really funny because you mentioned uh, the O-line. Um, for the casual fan that might not know, Alabama's O-line is also coached by a former NFL head coach. That's right. Doug Marone. And yes. so, listen, I was the guy, and I don't know if Arnie and I ever talked about it in this time slot, but you know, Nick Saban pulling in uh, the ultimate Nick Saban move of losing Steve Sarkeesian to, uh, to Texas. Stark brings a bunch of guys with him, and oh, Nick Saban replaces him with two guys that were NFL head coaches at this time last year, and I just said, oh, it's Saban being Saban, but it does appear there's a disconnect, and, and maybe Maybe this this just feels Jason like it's finally the year and it's by the way they're undefeated number one in the country they could still come back and win this game but it is clear that the gap between them and the rest of the SEC oh by the way held on for dear life against Florida who has taken another loss since then uh, Ole Miss held on for dear life today against Arkansas. I only bring it up to, to say it feels like whether they survive this game or not, this might be the year that the attrition on the coaching staff, that the attrition at the skill positions, the attrition, by the way, two first-round picks a quarterback in the last mm-hmm. two years, mm-hmm. this feels like this is finally the year it's catching up to them. Yeah, and it might. And I can say one thing and feel pretty confident about it right now. When we do our top four later, <laughs> there's going to be a new number one. Yep. Even if Alabama were to come back and win this game, I think this is the performance where you say, okay, we'll give Georgia number one today. Yep. 100% with you. 100% with you. And uh, Georgia, Iowa, so much more to get into. By the way, Michigan uh, right now a top 10 team, 13-7 against Nebraska in the third quarter in Lincoln. As I said, Notre Dame trailing er, uh, early in the fourth against Virginia Tech. lot to get to. Haven't even hit on the game of the year. Texas, Oklahoma. And by the way, uh, Oklahoma. They're going to have a new quarterback by the time they, they take the field next game. We'll, we'll react. Plenty more to get to. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. By the way, wild night. You want to get in on the show Tweet us at Jmart Radio. I am at Aaron underscore Torres. And once again, Jason Martin has looked into his crystal ball. Jason, I don't know where you got your crystal ball from, but that thing is pretty spot on because you just said, as we went to break, you said, I, they don't look good, but I've seen this script before. And as I signed off that first segment, by the way, Nebraska has scored a touchdown. It could be 19-14 extra point pending as Nebraska trails Michigan at home. As we went to break, Alabama blocked punt, returned for a touchdown. It is now 20, uh, what do we got here, 24-17 thanks to the special teams touchdown via Alabama. Yep, and there was like no resistance at all. It was Ja'Cory Brooks recovered, taken in, and this is the kind of, look, that looks a lot like Alabama. And they used to do that in the last two minutes of the first half or the first couple of minutes of the third quarter with the lead, and they would put a game out of reach. Those are the kinds of, this is going to be one of the most important drives Texas A&M's ever had in their life. Because after that happens, what's going through the brains that I spoke about in the first segment where it's like, wait a second, we could actually beat these guys. And then the realization hits you. But then when you face some degree of adversity and you realize how much time is left, then what? 
Now you've got Calzada in this offense coming out. Spiller at least got banged up on their last possession, uh, the running back for A&M. But now they're coming out there. The momentum may have shifted a bit. There's 102 to 105,000, depending on what number you're looking at, in College Station right now. But that play by Alabama could change the entire trajectory of the game if they're not careful because this is where Calzada comes out there and turns the football over. You're looking at a tie game, and now A&M's like, we've blown it, and they already feel like they've lost it before you even get to the fourth quarter. This is this right here, this drive, is maybe the most important drive Jimbo Fisher's had since he's been at Texas A&M. Is his team ready for this? Well, and I think even if you don't get points as, as they rip off a big run, uh, we will keep you updated. And Jason Martin, I, I, Jason Martin, I, I can't do play-by-play or I could get thrown off the air. Texas oh, a- I see it. I see it right now, right in front of me. Texas well, that's a nice A&M, answer. Texas A&M, uh, your, your crystal ball is broken, Jason Martin. Texas A&M has just returned the following kickoff for a touchdown. Two special teams plays back-to-back. 30 to 17, 31 17 point pending. Jason Martin, I keep trying to get to Oklahoma, Texas, and then crazy stuff happens in this game. I will tell you, we've all been watching this sport for a long time. People listening, you guys, girls, whatever, have been watching sports for a long time. Whether it's college football, whether it's the NFL, whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's the NBA, sometimes it's just not a team's night. I don't think it's Alabama's night tonight. I mean, it's look, there's still 23 minutes and four seconds in this game left. You're, you feel right. Like, it feels accurate what you're saying. I'm not saying a word yet. But that right there, look, I said Calzada goes out there and turns it over. <laughs> you didn't give him a chance to because you ran the kickback. That right there is the answer you had to have. So now you get your two-touchdown lead back. You can kind of put away the demons of an awful punt situation that led to the block and the touchdown now Alabama now it's up to them now it's Bryce Young and John Mechie and that offense it has to come out and score because at some point Aaron even Alabama has to start scoring points or this thing can get away from them so now it becomes a very important drive for Alabama just as the drive that was important for A&M didn't happen because they scored before it even began. I want to get to some of the earlier games, uh, Jason, in a minute, but there is one other note uh, in this time slot that I just referenced to lead the show that I do think is important. Kentucky is up 35-14 yeah. to 14 on LSU yeah. right now. Kentucky has almost 300 yards of total offense, 7.5 yards per carry, and this is a physical domination uh, I don't want to say the likes of which we've never seen because that'd be an absurd statement, but LSU, less than 24 months ago, won a national championship. And go, last year, they go 5-5, five and five, they struggle, they win a few games down the stretch, the record doesn't look as bad, but everybody knew Coach O was kind of coming into this season in a precarious situation. We were on air when they lost to UCLA. We were on air last week when they lost to Auburn. It is 35-14, and I will tell you this, Jason, I don't claim to be, you live in SEC country, okay, but LSU fans can accept certain things. Not only losing to Kentucky, but physically getting the crap kicked out of you is a way for a coach to go out there and lose his job in the middle of the season. I'm not saying I have any inside information, I'm not saying it's going to happen. 
But this feels like the game where LSU has quit on its coach, and I don't, I, I, I don't know if he makes it to next Saturday's game. As LSU, by the way, is now hitting the tough part of their schedule. They play Florida next week. I don't know that he survives going forward. I, I don't either. I mean, you said tarmac game, sort of jokingly, but I don't know that. I don't know that it's a joke because I've watched a good bit of that game. Kentucky looks far better than LSU like they look like they've got better talent yes and they certainly look like they're better coach we talked about last week I I cut you off to say that Mark Stoops is the most underrated coach in the country and I have no idea why he's not talked about more they're about to be 6-0 with back-to-back wins against Florida and LSU like that's nuts yes this is Kentucky football we're talking about Mm -hmm. like every time I look at that score it just feels wrong because I know what Kentucky football is. Kentucky football is a school that lost to my alma mater, Western Kentucky, twice and then stopped playing them. Like, that's <laughs> Kentucky. Joker Phillips era, Kentucky. But that's Kentucky. This is totally different. And I look at this and I'm like, LSU's not going to tolerate this. And when we looked at the schedule, we already know what's coming up for that team. Like, they could lose four in a row after this game. Or at least four of the next five or something like that. Like, it's not getting easier. They've still got the tough sledding in the west to go through it's not going to get better and i don't know that i've seen a hotter seat than this one this quickly like we kind of known clay helton's seat was warm for three years but coach O in a year like basically right after he wins the national title we're a year and a half removed from that and i bet you the vast majority of people watching lsu are ready for this movie to be over yeah and it's crazy because you know wait what just happened in, in which game? What do we got? Oh my God! Did A and M score again? We might have to There's bring a in flag pro- down now. We got to see what this ball. is. I do know that Nebraska has scored again. They are now up twenty-two to nineteen on Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. Scott Frost, another guy that was left for the dead after Week Zero. He almost didn't even make it to Week One. Scott Frost are up twenty-two to fourteen, twenty-two to nineteen. Excuse me. Less than a minute left. And we are sitting here waiting for an update with this Alabama game as it appears as though Bryce Young threw an interception, but it appears as though there was a penalty. We are waiting on that. Or no, it looks like maybe his knee was down on that one. Uh, Really quickly on Coach O, Jason. You know, you said, you, you know, fans want it's amazing how quickly this stuff changes. And I know that the narrative has been talked about and discussed the idea of, you know, how much, not how much, we now know that that national championship season, it was about Joe Burrow. It was about Joe Brady, who's now, you know, just brilliant play, you know, brilliant play caller that year. Uh, excellent play caller with the Carolina Panthers right now with Matt Rule. I, you know, I'm just amazed how quick it happened because I, I do think there was a time in that season where you sat there and said, is LSU that program that is going to consistently mm-hmm. elevate to the... I mean, I had the conversation with Arnie Spanier. I had the conversation... You know, we, uh, Ryan Fowler, a good buddy of mine who's been on with us a few weeks ago following that Florida game, you know, on his radio show, that was the conversation for an entire offseason. Is LSU going to be that program to elevate, that, that to be the consistent challenger that we've been waiting for for Nick Saban? And uh, instead, it looks like the exact opposite. I, you know, again, uh, I don't wish ill will upon anybody. Uh, I always say, Jason, you know, everyone in our our business says, uh, I don't talk about another man's job. Here's my deal. I don't talk about another man's job unless he's really bad at his job. And then it's my job to talk about what everybody wants to hear about. And I, I just, this is just the type of game, like you said. Physically dominant, uh, Kentucky is better coached. They appear, uh, if you just watch, to have the better athletes, to have the better players. This is the kind of game, 
unfortunately, that gets a coach fired. I'm not saying it's going to happen. To be clear for people that are just driving around, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying this is the type of game that the AD calls you into the, to his office Sunday morning and says, uh, you know, bring your playbook for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's absolutely possible. Now, I don't know if they would do it to him or they would let him go through the season because, look, LSU's going nowhere. Yep. Like, it's, it's not like bringing in a new coach. Now you've got a, a fresh lease on life and you're going to win the national title. No. Like, it, well, this, is, this season's dead and, right now and, for LSU. And let me jump in, too. It, 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 this is what happened with Clay Helton. If you yes. know he's not the guy, you got to get him out before he wins a few games and makes your, your decision tough. Uh, LSU, this happened a few years ago with Les Miles where mm-hmm. they were ready to let him go. He beats A&M on the last game of the season. The players are, are, are carrying him off the field, and he survived a whole offseason like that. So, again, this is speculation on our part, but it's our job to give you the stories that matter right now. And, again, this is no disrespect to our, our great friends uh, you know, in Lexington and Louisville, but Kentucky football is not supposed to do this to LSU football. We will keep you updated on that one. Kentucky up 35-14. With that said, I do want to get to some of the games from this afternoon, but first, for the first time this evening, Steve DeSager with What's Trending. And what you mentioned about the Bryce Young, it wasn't a fumble and return for Adam, and yes, he's just thrown a touchdown pass. Alabama's oh, not out I of this. Oh, I just saw it. I just saw it. Extra oh, point will make it A&M 31-24 over Bama, five and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Bryce Young was called for intentional grounding. He just threw it while he was sacked, just threw it away, illegally so, but it was a forward pass, not a fumble return for a score. Uh, two things that you haven't mentioned yet there is so much going on tonight the game on fox tv right now usc is losing at home 35 10 to utah with about five minutes to go <laughs> they're not allowed the to third. play at home anymore the Sager. they're great on the road they're great on the road they can't play at home anymore even though. the opener at home against san jose state i recall was something like 10 to 7 13 to 7 hey, into uh, the hey, fourth hey quarter. aaron you want to make that case for dante to get that job again uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Desager, we're stealing your thunder here. Man. No, uh, <laughs> I did say I thought they would play hard for him. Um, uh, uh, the interim Desager. coach you're talking yes, about. Dante yes, Dante Williams. I said they're going to play hard for the him. And, yeah. and I, he's not getting the job, but he's going to make the USC program. Maybe he is such a USC guy through and through that he's trying to make it even easier for the AD to not pick him. That's 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 my spin zone right there. Okay? Or, unlike the NFL, he can't recruit midseason, and therefore they're kind of stuck with what they have on the field. Utah, in the final seconds before halftime, ran a trick play on fourth and one and scored a touchdown. And then after halftime, two more touchdowns. So the Utes are leading 35-10 at USC. And SC is going to have a 3-3 three and three record, apparently, going into their next game, which is at Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. They still haven't played at Arizona State yet. That's in November. And the last two games of SC's season is UCLA and BYU. Trojans could be finishing 6-6 six and six at best this season, the way things are going. Also, what's also going on, Dodgers-Giants playoffs, and the Giants are down 2-1 to L.A., bottom of the fourth, but it just hit a leadoff double, Buster Posey. And somehow the Dodgers are still starting Cody Bellinger. He is, against the Giants this year, 2 for 53 at the plate. In case I didn't say that out loud, 2 for 53. And he's still getting at bats. And it's mostly been strikeouts for him this week. And he batted 165 against anyone overall this season. Dodgers trying to even up the best of five division series. They're leading 2-1. 
and the first run, amazingly, for the Dodgers was the starting pitcher, Julio Urias, right after a two-out intentional walk hit an RBI single. In Wait, Steve, inning. did you say two for 53? Yeah, I believe I did. Cody Bell. I just wanted to make an emphasis. I wanted to, to uh, make sure we emphasized it one more time yeah. because of how just a guy horrific who's won that is. An MVP award is yeah. two for fifty-three against this current opponent. Yes, it's Rick Ankeel like. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Maybe Bellinger will become a pitcher next year. <laughs> Atlanta is tied a game apiece after beating Milwaukee, shutting Say them out. Say it loud out. for the people in the back, Steve. Three. Say it loud for the people in the back. 3-0 <laughs> in that game. Brewers hitters struck out 14 times. The two AL Division Series continue tomorrow. The 49ers place tight end George Kittle on IR with the calf injury. Boxing's in Vegas tonight. Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder. Now we can get to some details of college football. They are starting the fourth quarter at nebraska it is believe it or not after 22 points in the third quarter a nebraska lead of 22 19 over undefeated michigan notre dame is trailing at virginia tech under seven minutes to go it's the Hokies 22 21 they scored to take the lead in the third quarter and lined up to go for two virginia tech did false start called they went for two anyway and missed it so it's only a one-point lead against the irish in what has been a back and forth game there was a pick six thrown by the freshman qb off the bench tyler bookner he did have a touchdown pass in the uh, first half but now he's throwing a second interception in this game irish down one kentucky undefeated this year leads now 35 21 against lsu with five and a half minutes to play halftime at number 25 san diego state 17 nothing Aztecs over New Mexico. And, and by at San Diego State, I mean 100 miles north in Los Angeles at their home field for last year and this year. They're, they're getting a new stadium. There isn't currently a football stadium in San Diego County, apparently. Number one, Alabama is trailing 31-24 at Texas A&M. About five and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Bama had two turnovers in the first half. They've overtaken A&M in the yardage category, uh, fortunately, and I mean that, fortunately for the Tide, they recovered that block punt fumble in the back of the end zone. If you saw that, the guy recovering just about had a leg out of the back of the end zone, but they did not overturn it on review. So the TD counted, and then there was the return for A&M anyway on the next kick. 31-24, what a night, and we still have four minutes to go in the third. Have I said that? And Oklahoma beat Texas in a comeback, 55-48. And Ole Miss beat Arkansas, 52-51. Iowa over Penn State in a comeback, 23-20. This is just a sensational sports day, and it's not even close to over. Back to you. Thank you, Steve DeSager. This is Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. And what Steve DeSager just said, sensational Saturday in sports. Unbelievable. So DeSager just got you caught up on everything. Jason, we, we've been beating around the bush here because this Alabama game is so unexpected. Let's talk a little Oklahoma-Texas. Yeah, why don't we? It was only one of the greatest football games I've seen. I don't know. I can't even begin to describe uh, how long it's been since I've seen a game that was just that nuts. It's seemingly from start to finish. It looked like we were tuning that thing out going into the second quarter. Good thing we didn't. Yes, well... Um, you know, I would say this is that I, I, what you said is is exactly what I said after the game. Is it's not very often that that us listen. We love what we do. You just sent out a great tweet about how blessed both of us are as Nebraska gets an interception. Well, this game, this, this night is insane. All right, so about how blessed we are to do what we do. Um, but with that said, we watch sports for a living. We watch a lot of games. We watch a lot of bad games. We watch some good games. It isn't often that I, as a consumer of sports, 
uh, sit there at the end of the game and say, wow, mm-hmm. what did I just watch? And that is what we got this afternoon, Texas, Oklahoma. By the way, producer Bo, if you want to jump in at any point, feel free. Bo is not only an OU fan, he is also a student at at Oklahoma. So we'll get to Bo in a minute. But Oklahoma, this as you said, one of the best football games we've ever seen. Oklahoma was down 14-0 three minutes into the game. Uh, they trailed 28-7 at halftime, excuse me. And... I mean, it just had everything. This ended up being, let me just even backtrack, this ended up being the highest scoring Red River shootout of all time, which is saying something. Last Uh, year's was number one, but it took four (laughs) overtimes to get there. This was all in regulation. All in regulation. We had on top of that the biggest comeback in the history of the Red River rivalry, and we had, and we're going to get to the quarterback controversy here in a second, we had the preseason Heisman Trophy favorite benched and a freshman come in and lead them to about a million points and come back to win. So I think I just gave you everything you needed to know, Jason. You take it wherever you want from there. But I mean, just in, you know, this game always seems to live up to the billing. This one was something extra, though. College football, all the heart emojis. That's, <laughs> that's sure. really the takeaway. Like, I mean, I think we have to get to the quarterbacks relatively quickly just Let's because of what we saw. But man... Uh, gosh, I mean, we knew Oklahoma had a ton of talent, but I sent out a, I sent out a text message to you and Bo pretty early. uh, It was fairly early in the game. It might not have even been the second quarter yet. And I said, I've about seen enough of Spencer Rattler. Like it just, he's not it. I think I said he ain't it in the text message and he's not. And I, I just started, it was impossible for me not to immediately start thinking of two situations. One, two are for Jalen Hurts in Alabama in the national championship game against Georgia. But the one that really stood out to me was Kelly Bryant losing his job to Trevor Lawrence. Sure. Like, Kelly Bryant just couldn't move the ball. Like, well, it, me, it never looked right at Clemson. Let me jump and then in, you brought in a freshman. Let me jump in there really quick, though, because there are some parallels. The big difference was everybody knew that year Kelly Bryant they were going to win despite Kelly Bryant. Yeah, that's and, true. Like, and, Rattler had Heisman hype. That's yes, true. and you, me, Bo, we've all talked about it on this show for the past six weeks, is that maybe it's in there somewhere, but we have not actually seen it on Saturdays. So to me, that's the big difference. Lincoln Riley is supposed to be the QB whisperer, and he might still be, by the way, and Rattler came in with preseason buzz. But to your point, I mean, we're talking about a potential, um, you know, some people think first-round NFL talent that just got benched this this week, and uh, you know we could jump right into it. Is Oklahoma right now? They're undefeated. There aren't very many undefeated teams left. There might be one less, depending on what happens in this uh, Michigan game as Michigan scores, and what happens in the Alabama game. There might be two two fewer by the end of the night. Oklahoma is still undefeated. They're halfway through their schedule, and so I only bring it up to say. You know, they're right in the thick of that playoff conversation right now, and they're going to have to stick with this guy. Uh, I mean, I, th- there's nothing else to say. They're going to have to stick with this guy going forward. I mean, I think so. Um, Rattler, I'm not going to say he's rattled. It's too easy to say Rattler's rattled because he came in and made the key two point conversion that you had to make at the end of the game, which stand up thing for him to do considering how his day was. A second straight year, he's not finished that game against Texas. But. The problem for Rattler is, I mean, you said first-round talent. Try first-five pick talent. Like, some people believed he might be the number one overall pick. He was the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy before the season began. 
and we're not even in midseason yet, and nobody's batting an eye that he got benched because we all knew he didn't have it, and he hasn't had it. Like We gave him a few props last week and said, look, he played a lot more within himself at Kansas State. He played a lot better game last week. That's pretty much the only time this year that I've been impressed with Spencer Rattler. Sure. It's kind of baffling, actually. Like he had the hype coming off of Netflix and everything else, but like, gosh, it's it just feels like a giant misfire from everywhere because you look at Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams just came in and made plays. He yep. gave them a chance. He kept plays alive. He was smart with the football. He had a solid deep ball down the field. He seemed to have poise that made no sense for a freshman quarterback to have in that situation. I mean, you're Lincoln Riley. I don't feel like this is a very difficult decision to make. The decision that's going to be difficult is whether or not Spencer Rattler wants to stay enrolled at Oklahoma or whether or not he wants to hit the transfer portal sooner rather than later. And my guess is he will be wearing a different uniform next year. It will not be for an NFL team. Obviously, that would have been next year, but... Uh, he's going to be in another university next year, I think. Well, it's really funny. You mentioned earlier Kentucky looking bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic than LSU. Caleb Williams comes in as a, as a true freshman, looks bigger, stronger, better arm, more accurate, more touch, more everything. So uh, we'll continue the conversation on this game. We haven't even gotten to, oh, by the way, I don't know, a top five matchup yeah. in Iowa City. That's how good this night is. A lot more college football coming. I'm Eric Torres. He's Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Old school Kanye there, I think, right? Is no, that, that's Lupe Fiasco, I believe. Oh, okay. Why was I thinking Kanye? I think Am I, I right or wrong? Somebody figure. tell me if I'm right. No, I'll you're right. It. You're right. All right. It's all right. Sorry. My head's a little beat in. I feel like uh, Coach O right now. I don't even know up from down. Uh, Fox Sports <laughs> Radio, I'm Aaron Torres. He's Jason Martin. By the way, J-Mart, uh, Alabama driving down a touchdown. So that's they, just a, scored, they just kicked a field goal. Oh, they kicked a field goal. Okay. Yep. So it is 31 to 27, I believe, if that uh, yep. score is correct. We have LSU about to lose by uh, 21 points to Kentucky. Not ideal. Notre Dame driving here down eight against Virginia Tech. And I hate it. Did you? We, I joked about this last week, by the way, about Notre Dame real fast. Like ESPN put up their like football power index chances, or NBC did it, and it was through pro football focus. Like after Notre Dame lost, they're like, well, here's the rest of their schedule. And it was like an 80% chance they would beat everybody else, at least 80. Some it was in the 90s. I looked at that and I'm like, really? Are you so, sure about that? Because I don't think Notre Dame's that good. Like, me watching this, let me tell you what my not surprise face looks like. You can't <laughs> see it because I'm in Nashville and you're in California. I promise you could probably figure it out, though, because well, it looks like my face all the time because there is zero surprise in me right now. So I will tell you is that what I believe is is that when, when a team isn't good and your entire argument on them not losing is that, well, you know, who do they have to play? They end up losing because if you're not good, you're if you're fundamentally flawed, somebody's going to have the right night at the right time, all that stuff. Nebraska has just scored to retake the lead 29-26 over Michigan. You know, it, you're going to you're going to run into that team where on the wrong night you just make enough mistakes where it costs you. I mean, look at Clemson. I mean, Clemson every week they're just not good, and it doesn't matter who they play. It's it's surviving, um, you know, to uh, you know, it's surviving to to just get wins. LSU, you know, they 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 lose to UCLA, then they win three in a row, and you start to sit there and say, okay, well maybe they could get through this team, and what about that? Team? They're not going to beat Bama, but what about? No, they stink, and they ended up getting caught up. And so to me that. That's my opinion on Notre Dame is, listen, when they beat Wisconsin the other day, I gave them credit. I was like, look, I think they do an incredible job. I think it's really tough to win at Notre Dame in this era of college football. But even when they improved to whatever it was, 4-0 against Wisconsin in that game on Fox, you go back and you look at the first couple games, and, and there was nothing in those first few games that made you say, you know what, though? Uh, they're, they're really ter- No, they just they they were the less bad team among bad teams that afternoon. And so I guess what I'd say is I am not surprised as they continue to drive. And, and I just think I don't know who it'll be, but at some point they're going to get tripped up because if you're just not that good enough, uh, you end up getting caught up. So Yeah, no, that's right. So it's 31-27, I'm telling you. I don't, it's not like I, I want a crystal ball moment to be accurate here. <laughs> All I'm saying is A&M has, look in their, has a look in their eyes. I just saw their return guy after that touchback. He had a look in his eyes. He was looking up in the air. 
I pray he's not looking at the scoreboard. <laughs> That's how you get beat in this situation. I literally watched it happen to Georgia in the national championship game, standing on the sidelines, watching them. They had Bama beat, but they didn't believe that they could finish the job. And guess what happened? They lost. So right now you've got this. You've got Calzada out here in this offense, and they've got to find a way to put up points because the third quarter kind of belonged to Bama after you had the the special teams thing go A&M's way. Uh, since that point, Alabama's really kind of started to show a little bit more of the Alabama that you expected to see coming in here. A&M's going to have to go back to playing first quarter A&M football where they're playing with their hair on fire and nothing to lose. Right now they're like, we have a game we could potentially lose. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. You have to go out there and continue to do what you did in the first quarter or you will get beat. Look at Calzada's eyes right now. They just showed a close-up on Calzada. He's looking to the sidelines like, what's going on with the flags? But his eyes reveal more to me than anything else. Right now this is a war Alabama's a team that's been in a lot of wars and taken a lot of teams' best shots. Is A&M ready for the moment? We'll find out within the next half hour. Alabama has outscored A&M 17-7 in the second half. The only score from A&M was a kick return for a touchdown. Also worth noting, uh, Alabama has the significant lead in total yardage. And so you're starting to see, uh, you know, Alabama hasn't won yet, but ever all, you know, are you one of those people that doesn't believe in momentum? Because I think that's the stupidest thing ever. Because all the momentum right now is in Alabama's favor, as uh, Zach Calzada can't even uh, throw a complete pass here. Yeah, now he throws. Yep, nope, incomplete. Yep, it just it looks a little bit ragged right now for A and M. They've hit adversity. There's 13:33 left, and they don't have a touchdown advantage anymore. Uh, look, NCAA 2005 on PS2 <laughs> told me that momentum mattered because okay. my controller shook. All my routes when I was in a in a tough stadium were shaking all over the place with my quarterback. Momentum matters because EA Sports told me so. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Alabama with the momentum down 31. 27 despite the momentum uh 13 minutes to go ne- uh, nebraska up on michigan 29 26 seven minutes left in that one notre dame has just scored against virginia tech lot going on in college football we obviously have missed on a lot notre dame and virginia tech tied we will get to all of it much more chris plank live from dallas will also join us aaron torres jason martin fox sports radio Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations may apply. We have yet another update just since DeSager Uh, Went off the air about 90 seconds ago, 30 seconds ago, whatever it was. Michigan has kicked a field goal. They are now tied with Nebraska, if I'm correct or no. Maybe we're in a commercial break here. But uh, Nebraska or Michigan is lining up, should be lining up to kick a field goal 29-26. Nebraska leading Michigan, the number six team in the country, number number nine team in the country. I'm getting old, Jason Martin. My eyes are starting to go. Number nine team in the country, Nebraska leads Michigan looks like they will line up for a field goal with three minute with three minutes left down three. Bama once again driving, trailing as Steve DeSager said. Jason Martin, you know we really haven't talked about. There was oh by the way a little ho hum top five matchup in uh, Iowa City today, Penn State Iowa. Um, really, 
I mean, I don't know how to describe it, Jason. I mean, it was it was a competitive game. It was a, a weird game. Aaron, I know how to describe it. Uh, go, uh, you know, you, you see, oh, go ahead, go ahead, do what you're gonna do. It's Big Ten. This is this, this is what this is. You know, did you you you're a big time hoops guy, obviously a college basketball guru. You're already doing your previews and stuff at your website, and it's fantastic coverage. I'm looking forward to that season, being able to chat with with you about that every week. But here's here's the deal. Remember what Iowa basketball was last year with Garza and sure. that squad and how much was expected and oh man and then they were two seed and then they got absolutely embarrassed pretty early in the NCAA tournament and Garza had a great career even though I think he played 17 years at Iowa he felt like he was there I don't remember a time when Luke Garza wasn't a uh, member of the of the <laughs> Iowa team. But I, I was ranked high all year, and the Big Ten had all this love, and then they walked into the tournament and got smacked. I watched Iowa and Penn State, and I thought to myself, number three and number four, sure, you're undefeated. This is a heck of an atmosphere. I love Kinnick Stadium. Neither one of these teams has a shot in the world against a team like Georgia or in Alabama or something like that because there's just not that much offense. This is old. This looked like watching the Big Ten from seven or eight years ago where you get excited about a team that's undefeated, but they're not really undefeated. They're undefeated in the Big Ten, but they're all playing kind of the same football, in my opinion. It was a weird game, and then when Franklin lost his quarterback, it all of a sudden appeared as if Penn State no longer knew how to play football. They're doing clap counts, getting six false starts, still had an opportunity to win the game at the end. Iowa's defense has had three interceptions, I think, in at least four games this year. Yeah. Like they've been there, they have a very good defense, but they haven't seen anything like they would see against a lot of opponents outside their conference. So I just, I watched it with a side eye by the end of it, and I was just like, these, this is fake. This is Fugazi. I don't believe in this whatsoever as it relates to a national championship. Not as it relates to one of those teams or Iowa specifically uh, getting in. Like, yeah, they'll have the opportunity to get into the college football playoff. I would expect them to get beaten pretty convincingly if they did get there, however. You can disagree with me, but I was I did not come away feeling like, oh yeah, no, those those teams can de- that that's like watching a national title preview. No, not at all. So a couple things. First of all, because I am a well prepared uh host here, I do my homework and I uh, I think ahead. Bernie Fratto will be joining us in hour number four, and I have already asked him. I said, can you get me a potential line on Iowa, Georgia, Iowa, Alabama? He said he will get me one. I have not heard from him yet, which is good. I'm curious if he'll be able... Bernie can get me anything, so I have no doubt he'll have it for us by hour four, but genuinely curious what those lines could potentially be. So two things I, w- I want to throw out. First, this game, and then I want to talk big picture, because I think what you said is kind of interesting. One... I don't want to discredit Iowa because, one, I've done it for for many, many, many weeks. And the one thing I will say about them, they have an insane knack for turning you over. They came into today plus 12 in turnover margin in five games. They have now forced 20 turnovers in six games. That's insane, okay? Um, and I, But I think we can also sit here and say, if Sean Clifford, the Penn State starting quarterback, doesn't get hurt, Iowa probably does not win that game. It was mm-hmm. se- it was seventeen to three when he went out, and uh, obviously they were outscored from that point twenty to three going forward. And so, you know, it, it's tough for me to criticize them, but we also have to be real. And I'll take it a step further. I mean, you know, Michigan is battling on the road here, 
but they have looked pretty good. Uh, uh, Ohio State is all of a sudden turning a corner. I think there's like a weird argument that you could make that I'm not saying they should be this way in the rankings, but I think you could make the case convincingly that Iowa is still third, fourth best team in the Big Ten. Uh, it doesn't take away from what they did, but I I don't think I, like I don't think that's a hot take. If I if I just said line up everybody on a neutral field, fully healthy or healthy going forward, and Sean Clifford is able to play, this might be the third, fourth best team in the Big Ten. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, look, I just came away and I felt the same way about Penn State that I did when I watched them play Wisconsin. Look, that's a pretty good football team, but they're not beating anybody really good. I'm, I don't see them as a threat. I still, and man, you want to talk, boy, if Clifford goes down, they've got nothing. That's obvious because that didn't work out very well at all. My other takeaway from that game, the the first thing I thought was, all right, Jimmy Franks, if, they're, uh, if USC's still interested, you might want to go ahead and take that job. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially if you, if they got to play Ohio State later in the year, if they lose that game, you know, that's two losses. The season's over. Um, unless he's just really happy in Happy Valley, which I can see why you would be. I mean, I love that atmosphere and I love that university. I, I love everything about it. But I, I also know Jimmy, Jimmy Franks a little bit from his time here. And they're not winning a title this year. That team's not good enough to win a national championship, regardless of how well he's recruited. I've not been impressed with with the quarterbacks he's had there pretty consistently. If USC is interested now, if I'm James Franklin, I'm looking harder and harder at that because now you're not playing for a natty in Penn State. I know you could still technically get there, so you probably have to wait until after Ohio State, but now that you've lost to Iowa... I mean, what what are you sticking around for? If you're if you're actually considering this, I would go now. And by the way, oh, he dropped it in the end zone. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, Alabama had the lead right there with a touchdown pass, but the tight end dropped it in the end zone. By the way, Michigan forced a fumble on Adrian Martinez and is now in field goal range with under two minutes to go. So you talk about a night that just is giving us so much fodder. Uh, Michigan uh, tied with Nebraska with under two minutes to go. Alabama drops a touchdown pass, which would have given them the lead. Notre Dame, you're fighting Irish. Hold on for dear life, 32-29 at Lane Stadium. Um you know, really quick with James Franklin, I, I think you're right. And obviously, look, Iowa now, Iowa has like, I, I think you can argue probably outside of Georgia, they've got a pretty clear path to the playoff. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, Penn State, and I think Penn State's actually pretty decent when, when Sean Clifford is in there. I don't think they're Georgia, Alabama good, but, you know, Penn State still has at Michigan State, at Ohio State, Michigan at home. And then they would have to play Iowa in the Big Ten championship game again. This is what Iowa has the rest of the year. Purdue, bye, at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, at Nebraska. I bring it up to say, you know, we can like them, we can hate them. They're going to be undefeated going into that Big Ten championship game. Is it going to be enough? Could I see the scenario where we come on there that Saturday and we're debating Iowa ran the table and then lost in the Big Ten championship game to Ohio State? or Pe- Like, I could see the scenario, but they're going to be 12-0 and at the end of the season. I really, truly do believe that. And they are going to be in the mix going forward. You know, Jason, really quick, before we get to... Um as all these other games wind down, I did want to hit you with something. And, uh, you know, I just figure now's a good time because you bring up James Franklin. This debate came up throughout the week. Um, 
you know, Pete Thamel from Yahoo put out a list of potential candidates for uh, LSU's coaching job mm-hmm. uh, when Ed Orgeron ultimately ends up getting fired. And I only bring it up to say that James Franklin's name was on the list. And it became this big kind of just talking point. And a lot of people have kind of weighed in on their opinions. What's the better job? And so if James Franklin has a jo- has an opportunity to take either USC or LSU, uh, and I know I'm kind of all over the place now, but I'm just I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that uh, concept. I kind of have an idea on it, but I'm curious what you think. So I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, yeah, James Franklin LSU makes sense if he wants to get back in the SEC. Uh, obviously, he had success at Vanderbilt, unlike anybody has ever really had at Vanderbilt. Like what he was able to do there was was magnificent stuff. I think LSU was the better job because you're in the SEC, but. <laughs> I, if I'm James Franklin, do I really want to have to test Nick Saban every year before I even get to a potential conference title game? Like that to me, I feel like in life you want to run into the worst situation at the latest possible time when it comes into sports. When it's like, if I have to see Patrick Mahomes, I'd rather see him in the Super Bowl than in the wild card round. So if I'm if I'm James Franklin, I'm like, if I go to USC, what am I looking at in the Pac-12 right now? Like, really and truly, a bunch of teams that, even when they get hot, what is it, Oregon State, were singing their praises because they had won a couple of games in a row and they lose to Washington State today. Like, it's just a bunch of teams that are searching. You Like, that conference, even compared to the Big Ten where he's at now, where there are some behemoths, where are the behemoths in the Pac-12 outside of SC? You want to talk about a clear path, it puts you in the perfect spot. LSU plays in the SEC West. If I'm James Franklin, that might be the thing that stops me. From an atmosphere standpoint, it's not close. It's LSU. From being in the premier spot, it's not close. It's LSU. But if I'm trying to win championships, where am I going to have the easiest way to do it? I'm in California, which is a wonderful recruiting state. And I'm in a conference that I should honestly be able to dominate. I might have to look up at Oregon from time to time. But who else am I really looking at? Like in the Pac-12 on a consistent basis, and I'm that worried about Washington's pretty good, but it's not like they've been a juggernaut or anything in recent years. So that might be why I would still look at SC over LSU, because I feel like I'd have better success there and not end up, well, I would yeah. say losing my hair, but James Franklin, that's not an <laughs> yeah. issue for him. So, no, and what I would say is, I'm, uh, you know, I ask you the question, I feel the exact same way. And it's funny because in sports, you know, listen, we have this idea that all these guys, they, uh, I want the biggest, co- I want the toughest competition, I want... You do, you want to compete at the highest level, but guys are also smart about this. I mean, I, I you know, I don't want to speak for a guy because, but I think he said this publicly is, is you know, I, I was once in a, uh, you know, kind of a room with, with Andy Roddick and, you know, we kind of, somebody kind of asked him about competing with Federer all the time and yeah, well, wouldn't you rather go through Federer and, and earn a, a Wimbledon? He's like, no. I wanted to win Wimbledon. I didn't want to face Roger Federer if I didn't have to face Roger Federer. And I bring it up because that's basically Nick Saban, right? Is like, is like, it sounds great. Like I want the challenge of taking on Saban. Well, it's also nice to go to USC where you can build an Alabama-like program potentially. It's also worth noting, by the way, um, you know, a couple other things with with that factor. That factor in is that um, again, USC just. It's just a clearer path. Um, 
LSU the last the way Coach O got this job was ultimately because Tom Herman leveraged LSU to get a better te- uh, deal at Texas and so I just bring it up to say history could be repeating itself if James Franklin ends up being the lead candidate for both of those jobs we will see Penn State is by no means out of the college football playoff picture after losing to Iowa this week but it is worth noting uh, that they definitely have an uphill battle with Michigan Michigan State and Ohio State still on the schedule speaking of Michigan they take a 32 29 lead at Nebraska, 124 left in the game. Alabama, by the way, has cut the AM lead to 31 to 30. A lot more college football coming up, but the game of the day so far, and there's been about five games that have been just as good. It was Oklahoma, Texas. Chris Blank, you all know him. You listen to him 11 p.m. Eastern every Sunday night. He is, of course, also Oklahoma sideline reporter. He was in Dallas for the iconic Red River shootout. He will join us next. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my day. That's my day, bro. <laughs> 
Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. We do have a final in Lincoln, Nebraska. Michigan wins again, 32-29-6-0. This after a 2-4 and year last year, Jason Martin. Uh, unbelievable, the turnaround of this program. So, Yeah, um... Look again. Hey, look! It's two more Big Ten teams that played a t- played a game where I'm like, Michigan's not for real either. Michigan, Penn State, Iowa—they're good to a degree, but they're not national championship good. Like Nebraska had an opportunity, a couple of opportunities to win this game. Had a bad call go against them a couple of minutes ago. Scott Frost had a couple of issues tonight, but they still had the ball trying to drive. Only down three. They lost thirty-two to twenty-nine to try and tie the game, and Martinez wasn't able to do it, even though he was eleven and eleven of twelve going into that last drive for three touchdowns in the second half. Like this is interesting because Michigan is undefeated. But are you watching Michigan and thinking Michigan's a national title contender? No. Like this is all they can do is play. No. Come on. I think they could make the playoff. I think you mean it. They might be able to make the playoff, but they're they're not making the playoff. They're going to get annihilated. Well, and I think anyone from the Big Ten is. I mean, if the standard is yeah, that's my point. Georgia, Bama, then I, I think that uh, you could make the case uh, for everybody else. But I do believe we have Chris Plank on the phone. Chris Plank, of course, he hosts every Sunday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, around this time with Arnie Spanier. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Plank Show. And, of course, he is also the Oklahoma football sideline reporter. Just so happened to have a sideline seat to an all-time classic. Chris Plank, my man, what is going on? What's going on, guys? How are you tonight? I mean, we're good, but yeah. you just – I mean, we're great because we have a ton of incredible games on right now, Plank. But you were on the sidelines for That's an right. icon- – listen, I'm just, the floor is yours. Take it wherever you want. We all sat and watched from the comfort of our home. You were there as, I don't know if history was unfolding, but just an iconic game. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, it's history. It's history for Oklahoma Sooner fans, absolutely, and for Texas fans, too. It's a great game. It's it's one of the greatest games in the storied history of this rivalry, 117th game. Uh, probably one of the hottest. It was It was hot, dudes. It was 94 degrees on the sidelines. I don't know how anyone had anything left to stand up after that game, and I'm just thinking about the fans. Uh, you know, he, I, we are blessed on our broadcast to have a couple of dudes that played in a lot of these games from four, uh, two former NFL players and Teddy Lamon and Gabe Eichert, and both of them agreed they'd never seen the crowd like that before. So it was, it was something unlike I'd ever seen. And, again, a lot of that game played out in the south end zone. And Texas was really unable until late to get out of that south end zone. That's where the Oklahoma side is. And when they were able to get down to the north side where the Texas fans were, it went bat you know what crazy. So everything that could happen, and I'm not even talking about, like, logical football things like a fox ran out on the field at one point <laughs> in the first half you had you know Oklahoma's down 14-0 a minute into the game the first play of the game was a was a 70-yard bomb and then they got a punt block from a dude that's going to be an NFL punter that wasn't his fault I mean it was just it, it was wild and in in it all Oklahoma still found a way to win it's, it's it was an incredible day uh it was a better day for some people than others uh all oklahoma fans had a good day and it's always good to play for a team that wins chris but if you're spencer rattler how do you feel right now tonight after the way your day transpired 
Well, you would hope that you felt good that your team won a game, right? I mean, people get benched. He got benched in this game last year. He got replaced in this game last year, and it was the best thing that happened to him. Uh, he came back, and in that game, he came back in the second half. Didn't come back in the second half of this game. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know, Jason. Uh, he's he's a unique dude. Uh, he's a talented guy. He's got incredible arm talent. He's very confident in himself, and you know he wanted to be in that game more than anything else late, but they just had some good momentum rolling with Caleb Williams. Lincoln Riley was noncommittal about, hey, Caleb's our starter going forward. In fact, continue to compliment Spencer all night long about the throw he made on the two-point play that he called the biggest play in the game. Lincoln's words, not mine. And, you know, it, there, there's documented video of him kind of leaving the field while everyone was celebrating. So that's not a good sign in my book. That's uh, – I think you kind of build your guys up. You know, you don't beat them. You don't walk away and make it about yourself. So with all that said, I get the frustration. He's still captain on this football team. Even if Caleb Williams is the guy going forward, you hope he guts it up and does what he can to help the team out. If not, uh, you know, I'm sure there's either other opportunities for him uh, somewhere else or, or at the next level. But yeah, it was, it, it, I'm sure it's mixed for him right now because he's a competitor. Chris Plank joining us. I'm Aaron Torres. He's Jason Martin. Plank, of course, is on 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern time going forward. Uh, you know, going forward, Plank, you know, where – like this team, I mean, it's 6-0, and right? Like we spent so much time, and I don't know how much time – I'm sure you talk about it nonstop on your radio show. I don't know how much time you talk about it with Arnie, but those first three, four weeks, I mean, every game is close. There's a couple that maybe you could lose all that stuff. But all sure. of a sudden, yeah, you're sitting here – now you're sitting here 6-0. and How – like, like, how do? What is the 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 balance of we're six and zero? We just won an iconic game, and we're starting to like maybe turn a corner. But there is this quarterback thing that is going to linger. I mean, it's a weird question to ask, Blank, because I know everybody's happy about the win, but it feels like even with the win, there's kind of like this weird Pandora's box that got opened. Uh, that it isn't just we beat our rival, we've turned a corner. Now there's like more questions coming out, even with the win. If does that, I don't know if you know if that makes sense, but I hope no, it you makes know sense. And, and then there's another Pandora's box that's been open the last two weeks. Their defense hasn't played well. Sure. You know, their defense um, got scorched last week. Um, against Kansas State where you had a quarterback that was playing basically on one leg throw for over 300 yards on you. And today you had a, a, a quarterback who was playing in his first Red River rivalry that threw five touchdowns over 300 yards and a receiver that had, what, like 260? So it's a Pandora's box in a couple of ways. Number one, you start feeling good about the defense after the West Virginia game, and then suddenly they can't stop Skylar Thompson on one leg, and Casey Thompson is ripping him apart. And now you have a quarterback controversy to dive into it and listen um, Oklahoma fans don't usually really get too carried away I think in in getting mad about anything that happens to them they get mad about how they compare to other people right so they're going to be mad that their defense isn't as good as Georgia um, and I'm sure they're going to be mad now that Alabama has rallied to retake the lead on Texas A&M yeah. um, but it's again this season any other team in college football any other team in college football Tennessee, Vanderbilt. I'm speaking to you, Martin, and your and your Nashville teams. But anyone would take <laughs> wow. six and zero right now, right? Sure. I, they would agree. But when you come into the season with the preseason expectations they had and the hype around a Heisman Trophy quarterback and the best odds and all the NIL conversations, when you're six and zero and it's an ugly six and zero, 
then it's not good. And so that's kind of where we are right now. I, I mean, UConn would take 6-0, and Aaron. And we take 1-5, baby. Make no mistake. Just about anyone would take it. But they're not at the level where they feel like they can compete with Alabama. And this isn't a team that's about winning the Big 12, that's about making the playoffs. This is a team that came into the season with the expectations that, hey, they're gonna, they've got a squad they feel like can hold up the skinny trophy. Well, we're sitting here, and Chris Blank's with us, and uh, you know we're sitting here watching a great SEC game and a great SEC day, at least for everybody not named LSU. Well, Auburn didn't have a great day, but at least LSU – I mean, LSU lost to Kentucky, and Kentucky's very good, but Kentucky football's not ever supposed to beat LSU. But you're, you're looking at two schools in Oklahoma and Texas today, up close and personal, that are going to be entering the Southeastern Conference. And they played the kind of game today that was impossible to look away from. Like, that's why – the SEC would want them, and that's why they would want it back. There's a lot of money to be had in a rivalry that's come down as close as this one has, especially over the last handful of years. I was trying to think, Chris, you tell me, what's the last game that was this exciting to watch from start to finish, really? I mean, yeah, the first quarter looked like it was going to be a laugher, but this thing got interesting relatively quickly once the quarterback change was made. Sure, and, and this is going to be a smart-ass answer, but last year's game. The, yeah. only day, the four you overtime go, game? Yeah, go back and look at 2020s, because I was the same way as you, Jason. I'm like, man, have we ever seen anything like this? And uh, someone looked at me, well, we played four overtimes last year, but without the crowd, I think it, it kind of took a little a little bit away from it. But between these two teams, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to compare Pair it, you know. I I, I kind of consider 2020 an outlier, so I I don't put that in that conversation. But 2017, did they did they? What was the final score? Like 56, 49, whatever it was today. Um, 2017 was a game that Texas was down big. Sam Ellinger brought him back, and Baker Mayfield hit Mark Andrews on a game-winning touchdown pass in the closing seconds. Right. 2018, Jason might have been one of the greatest college football games I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and Oklahoma lost <laughs> because Sam Ellinger was. A Dicker the kicker kicked a field goal to walk it off, and Kyler Murray engineered one of the greatest comebacks. So I agree with you, man. I'm the same way. Today superseded and went over the top grip on all of them. Um, but yeah, they that this has kind of been their thing. This has kind of been what Oklahoma and Texas have done over the last five or six years. You walk away from that game shaking your head, wondering, my gosh, what can they do to top next uh, top this matchup and what we just saw next year? And they've done it. You know, it's it's going to be I'm. I'm so pumped for the future. I know you're kind of touching on it a bit with the SEC, but I'm so pumped for the future of both of these teams in the SEC. We'll see how they compete. That's a conversation for another time, but uh, I think fans are going to love having this as part of the portfolio of the best conference in college football. Plank, we got about a minute left, last one. Um, You know, you said an Oklahoma fan can look themselves in the mirror and say, we're playing for that skinny trophy, a national championship. We're not there yet. What do they need to do in the next three, four, five weeks, obviously, besides continue to win, uh, to put themselves in position where, you know, if things break their way, they're a 12-1, 13-0 Big 12 champ that has a chance to compete with those teams in a playoff. Yeah, you know, let's get to the bye week, right? Because they've got TCU next week, followed by a trip to Kansas, and then a home game against Texas Tech. So they've got to get healthy. Their cornerbacks were just – they've got a guy that I think is one of the best cornerbacks coach in the country in Roy Manning, but their cornerbacks were not good today. So they got to get Woody Washington healthy. He's their best corner. Get him back in the mix. they got to get Jalen Redman healthy. He's one of their better defensive linemen. Get him back in the mix. And they've got to get settled on the offensive line. They went with about five to six different configurations of their offensive line today. That's a big key. And then, of course, I think, Aaron, I think 
Jason, you guys hit on it uh, most of our conversation. They got to figure out who's the guy. Is it is this Spencer Rattler's team or or is this now Caleb Williams' team going forward? So I'm I'm fascinated to see how this all plays out. But they they just got to continue to get better. Listen. I, I, I Again, I think everyone's kind of playing for third right now, and maybe it's even fourth with uh, us not giving credit to Cincinnati. But I'll oh. tell you what, um, if you can just get yourself in that mix, you want to take a shot, and I think Oklahoma's got a good chance right now. He's Chris Plank. Uh, you can hear him Sunday nights with Arnie Spanier, and of course he is the Oklahoma football sideline reporter. He was there in person uh, for that iconic, classic, legendary game between Texas and Oklahoma today. Chris Plank, we appreciate the time. We look forward to listening to you with Arnie tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Good to be on with you, Aaron. Good to hear your voice, Jason. Have a good night, guys. Indeed. That was Chris Plank. This is a wild game, Aaron. This is a wild football game in A&M right now. They just scored to tie the game. Let's go. Well, let's get to Steve DeSager. Get us an update. What's going on, DeSager? 12-yard touchdown pass. It's just too much good stuff all over. It's really incredible what this day and night has turned into in the world of sports. A&M, for a little context, was leading at halftime against number 1 Alabama, 24-10. to They have, uh, believe it or not, Blown that lead and now have a chance to tie it. It's Bama 38-37 after that AM touchdown. Three minutes left. And it was mentioned earlier in the show how Nick Saban, while at Alabama, is undefeated against his former assistants 24-0. In fact, Bama has beaten AM eight times in a row head-to-head. So there's a brief timeout for the injury quarterback coming off. That was his third touchdown pass of the night. And as for the other games. Somehow Michigan still wins at Nebraska, 32 to 29. You know, it's a great stat from a, a great college football follow, Matt Brown. That first off on the A&M game, we haven't had a team outside the top 10 beat number one since 2012 when A&M beat Alabama that year. As far as the Nebraska loss, they've gone five full years without a single win against a ranked opponent. The only other teams that have gone longer out of any of the Power 5 teams, Kansas, Rutgers, and Boston College. This is how bad it has been for Nebraska. They actually took the lead with the strong third quarter. Three touchdown passes from Adrian Martinez. He did fumble with two minutes left in the game, though. Michigan, with a couple of late field goals, wins 32-29 at Nebraska. Notre Dame was a winner. 11 points scored by the Irish in the final two and a half minutes. Touchdown, two-point pass, a three and out by Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame kicked the game-winning 48-yard field goal, 32-29, their final at Virginia Tech. Kentucky is undefeated after stomping LSU 42-21, and starting the fourth quarter, 25th-ranked San Diego State now leads 24-7 over New Mexico. The extra point kick is good at A&M. They're warming up a backup quarterback just in case three minutes left AM kicking off in a tie game against number one alabama 38 38 and that's not the half of it did you see the game on fox today number three iowa came back to beat number four penn state 23 to 20 so as you mentioned earlier iowa will likely play in the big 10 championship game their last six games on the schedule are not a single ranked team among them oklahoma's win in dallas was of the comeback variety over rival texas 55 48 sooners had trailed by three touchdowns after the first quarter Boise State was a winner at 10th-ranked BYU, 26-17. Ole Miss, 52-51 over Arkansas, which missed a two-point pass with no time left. Wake Forest is undefeated. 
That's how strange things are going in college football. Overtime win for Wake at Syracuse. 40 to 37. And Tim Duncan's awesome, Steve. I don't know if you've heard about him. Steve, <laughs> Tim Duncan and Randolph Childress are quite good That's together. Right. He's a good tight end target. Yeah, he's very tall. As far as the game on Fox TV tonight, USC has lost at home to Utah. 42-26 was the final. And that's not even the end of the sports news because we had the Braves shutting out the Brewers 3-0. Milwaukee kept leaving men on base in the late innings. That division series tied at a game apiece. And in the Dodgers-Giants best of five, L.A. trying to tie it up at a game apiece, had a 2-1 lead in the sixth. We talked about Cody Bellinger last hour, his ineptitude at the plate, especially against San Francisco. Who's batting with bases loaded for the Dodgers, top of the sixth? It was Cody Bellinger. He stepped up, and he rocketed a pitch to the wall for a two-run double. A guy that was two for 53 against the Giants this year extended the lead, and A.J. Pollock followed with a two-run double. 6-1 in the sixth for L.A. It's now 6-2 in the top of the seventh inning. The sixth inning, by the way, ended when the Giants runner tried to take third and Mookie Betts threw him out on a dart from right field. It's been an amazing game. And this we'll close it on this stat. AP in the Bay Area, just to back up how amazing that Bellinger hit is. If you look in baseball history going back to 1903, a batter getting 50 at-bats against one opponent in one season, like Bellinger against the Giants this year, there have been 75,000-plus batters with that kind of regular work against one opponent. Cody Bellinger had literally the lowest batting average of any of those 75,000 batters in baseball history against one opponent in one season. And he comes up with bases loaded and comes through. It's just amazing. Two outs, top of the seventh. Dodgers 6-2 over the Giants so far. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. You want to get in on the show, tweet us at Aaron underscore Torres, at Jmart Radio, Alabama punting the ball back to A&M. Two minutes left. We will see where this one goes from here as A&M will have the ball with just about two minutes to go. Tie game at home against Alabama. Jmart, we already decided. I think I, I think we both agree we're probably getting a new number one on, on Monday. Are we going to have Georgia... And I guess it would be Kentucky. Are they going to be the only undefeated teams in the SEC come Monday morning, Jason Martin? Let's let's wait. Let's let's, let's wait <laughs> just for a second. I know I know you want to watch the world burn there. I, Georgia, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I, listen, I picked Georgia to win the national championship, so I'm kicking my feet up and hanging out right now. So yeah, it's a fair point, and you should be right now. So Calzada's back in the game. It looked like he might not be. Uh, it's kind of an ugly replay, and he went to the sidelines and looked like he barely put any weight on his leg and now he's back out there on the 35 yard line in a tie game with 208 left I mean Alabama on two consecutive plays threw the ball Bryce Young was low with both throws you you hope that Billingsley and the wide receivers are going to make those plays but those are not particularly good throws from Bryce Young A&M's got a chance to win this game again as long as they can get out of their own headspace and just play within themselves they can win the game. They can actually do this properly where they are, kick a field goal or maybe even score a touchdown the way that you saw Ole Miss do earlier, even though they ended up having to dodge a, a two-point conversion to win that game, which we haven't even talked about that game, and that game was daggone great too. And that was happening at the same time as the Texas-Oklahoma game. But right now, 
A&M has the opportunity with the clock and the way it's situated. Alabama's got two timeouts, so if they're able to just kind of almost dink and dunk their way down the field a bit, they've got time to score. They've got to be careful they don't leave enough time for Alabama to do something with the ball. It's a minute 26, but it might take 10 minutes to play it. It is a minute 26 left, as you said. Wild finish. This is what we'll do. We'll take a quick break, come back, recap the rest of this game. We will get to – I actually have a question for you that I legitimately want want your answer to. I'm Aaron Torres. He's Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Jason Martin, no longer a question. We are going to have a new number one team in college football on Monday. Texas A&M, field goal, end of regulation. Texas A&M beats Alabama 41-38. to Jason, I, I mean, listen, I was telling the guys this in the back, Don and, and um, Don and, uh, Don and uh, Bo, in the, during the break. So I saw a lot of different scenarios coming into this weekend. Iowa wins, Penn State wins, Texas wins, Oklahoma, whatever, fill in the blank. This was, this was not even on my radar as something that could potentially conceivably happen. The number one team in the country has fallen. Texas A&M fans are storming the field. Texas A&M was an 18-point underdog coming into this game. They went outright. Final score, 41-38. It is final. Alabama goes down to Texas A&M. They do, and that kick, if you saw the kick, it looked like it was about to go wide left, and then it spun back through, so they win the game, and it was a big DPI call, and it wasn't controversial at all. It was just a bad play by the Alabama DB that sets this thing up, and Jimbo is the first assistant that coached in the Saban tree to beat the old man. He was 24-0. and He's now 24-1. and and look, Gatorade showers after beating Alabama in week five shows you how difficult this is, how tough it is to to be in this position. And look, it's just an impressive win. Calzada, I can't make this point enough. Matt Calzada looked awful before tonight. Like, awful. Like, he came in against Colorado and was terrible. He didn't look like he belonged on the field against Arkansas. He shows up tonight, plays the game of his life, looks like he's hurt, comes back in the game and immediately runs for a first down, looks like he's got a cannon. I saw that mentioned from Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. I was just like, that's the most baffling thing about this to me. It's why I tweeted out, the reason we love sports is because there's always a redemption story right around the corner. And that's what this is. Like, that dude was left for dead. I was like, well, I mean, until their quarterback comes back, I don't know what they are. And then Calzada comes out here and beats Nick Saban? Something about being on CBS at night in a game where, at this point, what did you have to lose if you were a and It was that you were an 18-point underdog in this game. So you came in and you were able to play free, and I'm still impressed, though, that when Alabama came back and took the lead, yeah. it still wasn't enough. A&M actually still was able to – I mean, you, you, you lose – Aaron, you lose the lead that they lost – you lose a couple touchdown lead, and you're A and M, and you've got a guy in his fourth start at quarterback, and all this. Like that feels like a recipe for an Alabama two or three touchdown win going away late in the game, and that's just not what happened. A um, and M earned this one; they deserve this one. They outplayed them. They looked like a better team in the first half, and Bill O'Brien is not good at his job. In the fourth quarter, when he had an opportunity to run the ball within the five yard line, he decided, "Oh well, we've got to throw on every down." 
Not since Malcolm Butler picked off Russell Wilson have I seen worse play calling in the red zone than I saw there, which led me to tweet out, Bill O'Brien is not Steve Sarkeesian. He's not Lane Kiffin. He's not, not Mike Loxley. He's not one of these guys, and it showed. The play calling is not the same. I don't think that the talent is the same across the board right yeah. now for Alabama, and Georgia is the clear and present danger. They're number one with a bullet right now. Like, there's no one else that you could even potentially argue deserves to be in their class now that now that Alabama has lost. Well, and I'll tell you, it's really funny. Um, the college football gods are are shining upon us here because you know who Georgia's playing next week is. Uh, yeah, they're playing Kentucky. The only yeah. as things stand, the only other undefeated team in the SEC. So last week we came on air, we said, "Man, how could it get better than this?" And then it did. This week, two iconic games, obviously the Texas-Oklahoma game, Alabama-A&M. And, and I would say this, Jason, I agree with you. I think that you know what stands out to me, I think, is what we talked about in hour number one. And if you missed any of it, go back and listen. We'll have plenty more post-game coverage of this game. But it's uh, this is the year. I think this is the year that, that the talent drain has caught up with Alabama because I look at this team, and even the Florida game a few weeks ago, they did not look like the same team. They held on for dear life. As you said, it felt like at some point it was going to catch up with them it did tonight and whether it's whether how much of it is on uh the coaching turnover where they by the way for people who don't know lost their entire offensive staff this offseason most notably Steve Sarkeesian also as I said in hour one last two years two first round picks a quarterback four wide receivers Najee Harris at a certain point you know we could just sit there and say oh it's Alabama they're going to reload but this feels like the year it's finally caught up with them I mean, it's hard to disagree. I mean, eventually it's going to happen, and eventually there's going to be a year you don't win. It's not like Nick Saban's won the championship every single year. I do find it interesting that right now we're looking at Alabama with a defeat, Ohio State with a defeat, Clemson totally, completely out of everybody's mix, and Coach Ed Orgeron, we'll see whether or not he survives the next 24 hours. Like, think about that. And what happened with Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler – This is why I have argued for a long time that college football is better than the NFL. As much as I love watching the NFL, the atmosphere and the unpredictable nature from because these guys are so young, such crazy things happen. And it's not really, I know the cream generally rises to the top. And so you'll argue, well, Alabama kills everybody every year and all this. Well, we saw tonight that doesn't always happen. But more than anything, it's it's the the teams that aren't winning titles that are more fun to watch than the bad teams in the NFL if that makes any sense because there's so much potential for craziness to happen. Well, and AM, I mean, AM was literally in last place in the SEC West coming into today. So, plenty more coverage of this game. Alabama, number one team in the country, has fallen. Crazy day of college football. Jason Martin, Air Tours, Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover's accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations may apply. Steve DeSager just got you the update of the night. It was a crazy day in college football. Texas, Oklahoma, an instant classic. Iowa beats Penn State. Ole Miss, Arkansas was a great game, by the way. But nothing tops what we just saw in College Station. Number one, Alabama goes down. Final score, 41-38. to Texas A&M, uh, Jason Martin, in their previous three games against Power 5 teams, had scored a grand total of 42 points. They put up 41 against Alabama tonight in the win. Yeah, 10 against Arkansas, 10 against Colorado, 41 tonight. Yeah, that's what I, I'm saying. I, College I don't, football, I, man. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know anymore. All I know is it's wonderful to watch this sport in the fall on Saturdays. Nothing is more fun than this. And here we are to talk about it and trying to contextualize what this means and what the top five looks like tomorrow and whether or not it matters yet and all these other kinds of things and how far does Bama drop. And because A&M, where they stood 
this doesn't look like a good loss. That's the other thing. It's not like this Great is call. losing to a top 10 A&M team ranked in the preseason. This is an A&M team that was just fighting to be relevant at all in the SEC West. Like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Not now. Like, CBS was crying their eyes out last week. They're like, good Lord, <laughs> we paid to put this in prime time. We're putting... You know, we're putting Ness and Danielson in this game. We're all psyched up for it, but oh, it's gonna be a disaster. I did think when it, when it was in prime time and the way everybody talked about it this week, I said, you know, college football is the kind of sport where this could turn out to be something. Real quick though, it feels like Alabama is immune to that though. Like it but feels, they tend to be. That's what I mean. It's like I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that my only reason that I didn't think anything crazy because it's Bama. They ne- like like if they lose, it's it's to a team that is as good or better than them. Which is one time a year they play a team that good. Most of the time they beat them. It's never a game where they just get outplayed, out toughed by the inferior team, and that's exactly what happened tonight, Jason. Yeah, well, I would say this. I would say there was a whole lot of hype about Ole Miss, and then totally we fair. saw what happened last year, last week. I'm not saying that this was a letdown kind of situation. I'm saying that. Is it possible? And Saban's the coach that never does this, and it's even in his biography uh, or the unauthorized biography of him about how he tells his team about every week, don't be the guy that loses to UT Chattanooga because you're going to be in a car and some really hot girl is going to come up next to you in a car and you're going to be you know, trying to get your flirt on with her and all of a sudden you're going to be, hey, you know, I play for Alabama. Oh, you mean the team that lost to UT Chattanooga? And it speeds <laughs> off. Like That's one of the famous stories. So, it's, so letdown games don't generally happen to Alabama, but nobody was taking A&M seriously anymore. Like at um, all. You weren't. I, I was wasn't. Not. Absolutely. Nobody not. else in college football was. We weren't taking Matt Calzada seriously at all. Like this was just, okay, this is just a wasted season for Jimbo. He's overrated. He's overpaid. He's getting $100 million. I'm saying the things I said this week, and I've said he's overrated for a long period of time. But then you walk in here, AM did bring their entire defense back, and they looked apart. The Offensive line for Alabama tonight was brutal. That's on Doug Marone. Their play calling wasn't good. That's on Bill O'Brien. Those are two AFC South head coaches that no longer are head coaches in the AFC South. Maybe for a reason. That was bad. Like, honestly, if I'm Saban, I'm reading the riot act to Doug Marone because there are some videos that are floating around on social media right now that are not flattering to the way in which his protections were called and how they didn't adjust to what A&M was doing. It felt like to me, at some point early in this game, Texas A&M realized, their defensive coordinator realized, oh, 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 I, I didn't expect this, but they're not, gonna, they're not going to, to be over here. There was one that I've seen pop up all over the place. Four offensive linemen for Alabama just shift to the right on the snap, and two unblocked A&M defenders come in on the left and just annihilate Bryce Young. Like, it was, it was something to see, no question about it. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, and what it says continues to say, you know, last week we talked about there being an Alabama and and Georgia gap and everybody else. I'll say this. And like, I know it's revisionist history, but one thing that I was adamant about all week now, Alabama was clearly the better team against Ole Miss. But even that Ole Miss game last week, 
I, I was a believer, and we talked about it for four hours last week, Jason, is that I thought Lane Kiffin coached his team out of that game where they go for all those fourth downs early. They don't get any of them. They're giving Alabama a short field, and Alabama wins 42-21. to But I didn't really come out of that game being like, well, I mean, Alabama just did do you know? Did you know what to him? And so I'm not trying to be revisionist history guy and, and claim that I saw this coming. But you know, where is like the just the the you know like I'll even backtrack right? Like Saban has had a few of these press conference blowups, and I think it's because he knew this was potentially in the cards. He talked about it after the Miami game, opening night. They take care of Miami, but they really only play about a good half of football. Uh, Florida, they easily could have lost that game. We talked a lot about that. Ole Miss last week, again, they're up 28 to nothing, but you start to do the math on a lot of their, their touchdown scores. I mean, it's not as though they're driving the length of the field and they're putting up a million yards and a million points. Uh, I'm looking at, as a matter of fact, the box score right now of their four <laughs> – check this out, Jason – of their four uh, – uh, touchdown scores early last week to go up 28 nothing at the half. Three of them came from inside their own. They, they started mm-hmm. inside their own territory. And so I only bring it up to say, like, you know, th- they just haven't had that game really where, okay, they asserted we're Bama, we're doing this, whatever. Um, and so I just think it's a year. I think it's a year where maybe Georgia's elite. But even Georgia, I'll say this for Georgia, we still haven't seen them have to beat you through the air with a quarterback that can make plays with his arms. That's dead right. And so maybe there's no great team this year. Now, I have a theory why there's no great team we can get into in a minute, but I'm just telling you, even Georgia, like like, like we did, and by the way, I'm as guilty of anybody last week saying it's Bama, Georgia, and everybody else. Bama, Georgia. And it clearly is Bama as as a, a, a step above everybody else. I'm not even sold Georgia's on that level, and maybe this is just a year where there's six, seven, eight really flawed teams, and it's just whose flaws don't get exposed at the wrong time. That's who's ultimately going to be the champion. So Brett McMurphy tweeted this out, and it just stopped me in my tracks about a minute ago. There are 13 unbeaten teams left in college football. 13. Okay. Wake Forest in the ACC is it. In the Big Ten, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State. Big 12, OU and Oklahoma State. SEC, Georgia, and Kentucky, just like we all thought it would be. In the AAC, Cincinnati and SMU. Uh, UT San Antonio out of Conference USA. San Diego State. Coastal Carolina. No independence. No one in the MAC. No one in the Pac-12. Today, Alabama, BYU, Penn State, Wyoming, who were unbeaten, no longer are. We're down to 13 teams, and I'm sitting here looking at some of these teams, and I'm just like, nobody would have predicted this. Nobody would have predicted that Clemson wouldn't be there, potentially, or that Ohio State wouldn't be there, or maybe that Penn State wouldn't have been there, or certainly probably that Alabama wouldn't have been there. Like At this point, I'm trying to remember a season that felt so ridiculous at this stage, and we have to keep in mind, Alabama may still be in the playoff. Oh yeah, It's still well within the possibility that they don't lose again and they find their way right back in. One loss doesn't knock you out. Like I mean, Penn State's not necessarily out either. There are still ways for these things to happen, and there's a lot of football left to be played, and the one thing that we've learned this week in particular is just don't count anything as a win or a loss 
before you see it. Because what you're saying about Georgia, I think, needs to be said louder. Because I agree. I think that they, well, by far, they're the best team in the country. But I also haven't seen them tested yet. I haven't seen them against a team that I I find to be even considerably good. Because Clemson's not good. Like, we go back to that, I mean, they look dominant, but Clemson hasn't been good since. Clemson's been bad all year long. What does Georgia do when they do have to throw it more, when they actually have to score with somebody, I don't think the defense is going to care. Is going to hold teams to field goals all year long. So what happens when they run into a shootout, whether or not it's in the SEC title game, whether or not Florida shows up to play the way they showed up to play Alabama a few weeks ago? Whenever it is, at some point this season, Georgia's going to be tested, and then we're going to find out how good and or maybe overvalued Georgia is. I don't think there's any doubt. And by the way, maybe they do – prove it right like maybe, maybe they do yeah and maybe maybe by the way maybe their quarterback actually gets healthy maybe all that stuff so I don't want to say that Georgia will be a worthy number one team come tomorrow and as you said I believe that uh, as you said they maybe have one of the best defenses we've seen in a very long time especially in this spread offense up tempo RPO world that we live in um, but I just I look at the landscape man and I'm telling you I, I just think there are even at this point, I mean, the, the way Brett McMurphy laid it out, I, I you know, I think there's 12, 15 teams. I mean, you know, we had Chris Plank on earlier this hour, last hour, and it's just funny because, you know, we, we criticize Oklahoma, criticize them, criticize them, criticize them. They're 6-0. and Yeah. And they're going to be heavily favored, I believe, in every game that they play the rest of the year. Like, where are they relative to everybody else? But, but what's so crazy about it, Jason, is, is that I don't even have a feel like, – like, I think Georgia's going to be there, right? But – like the Big Ten, I put out this tweet. I don't have any idea who the best team in that conference is. Uh, you know, Iowa won today, but if Penn State's starting quarterback doesn't get hurt, they probably don't win. Does that make Penn State the best team? Michigan six and zero, two big road wins. I uh, Ohio State coming on strong, three straight dominant wins. I you know you just look across the country and this is what, but this is what by the way this is what we've been asking for. We've been saying we want parity. We've been saying we want new team. Well, this thing is wide open. And there are, what, probably 15, 18, 20 teams that could realistically make that playoff at this point? I don't think we'd be surprised by it. Uh, yeah, I would say that's right. The other thing about Georgia is when they find success is when you have to watch out. <laughs> and I don't mean that. watch out for them to dominate. I mean, when they're number one, uh, that often doesn't go very well. There's also There's also a difficult challenge in actually being able to hold on to a top spot. Last time they were number one... I remember them losing like the next week afterwards. Can they handle the success? Because right now, there's no like just by default. It's no, they look like the best team in the country, but they don't look like the greatest team we've ever seen. Nope. They don't look like a team that can't be beaten. They just look like a team where, man, it's going to be a war to deal with that defense, but the offense has some question marks. The quarterback spot, they're trying to figure out what's going to happen there. Even the wide receivers, there's a little bit to that. Like, I've seen Georgia do this before. I've seen them, number one. I've felt really good about them in the past, and I've seen that not actually end up working out for them. This is the latest opportunity. And you've said this for weeks, and I agree with you. If ever there was a year, Kirby, this is the <laughs> one where you got to go win. Like, this is the one, it's wide open for you. All you got to do is handle your business, and you'll win it all. You have the best team. 
Like, if you don't finish now, when exactly are you? Because usually college football is not this bonkers. It's all just mapped out for Georgia to handle their business. Now they actually have to go and do it, and it's much easier to see it on paper and to say it on a radio program than it is to play four quarters and beat teams for the next couple of months and actually carry down that shit in January. Okay, I have a theory on why there is so much parity in college football. I tweeted it out earlier. It's something that I don't think is being talked about enough. I will bring that up. That is coming up next. I am Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Wild, insane day in sports. Alabama, number one team in the country. They fall. Uh, We had a crazy Oklahoma-Texas game in the Red River shootout. Uh, Just so much going on, Jason. By the way, the Dodgers lead 9-2 here. uh, Top of the ninth, looking to tie up that series at one game apiece. So DeSager will get you caught up with everything here momentarily. But also, there's a fight going on, Aaron. There is a, uh, there is kind a, of a big deal happening. Big fight, big fight. DeSager will get us caught up on that as well. Obviously, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Part Three. So, Jason, I, I teased before the break. So, I have kind of a half-baked opinion on why we are seeing so much craziness in college football. By the way, last week six top fifteen teams fell. This week, Alabama falls. Obviously, Penn State is in the top five. Now, somebody had to lose that game, so so it's not as though uh, that was any kind of crazy upset. But still, I mean, it's just we're seeing insanity in the streets of college football right now. And I have a reason why. I have a half-baked idea. So we in the NFL for years have said it's a quarterback-driven league. Uh, you know, You don't have Aaron Rodgers. You don't have Tom Brady. You don't have Patrick Mahomes. You're probably not going to be able to win it all. And I believe increasingly over the last three, four, five years, college football has become a quarterback-driven sport. And you can argue that, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, you look at the playoff the last few years. Who are the guys that get to the playoff and win the playoff? Joe Burrow, number one pick. Trevor Lawrence, number one pick. Kyler Murray, number one pick. Tua, top five pick. Mac Jones, top 15 pick. Justin Fields, top 15 pick. And so you look at the fact that we have no great quarterbacks in college football this year. We're, we're, we're trying to convince ourselves Bryce Young's the Heisman favorite when he's good but not great. Georgia obviously is good but not great. Penn State does not have a quarterback that will frankly probably play in the NFL. Same with Iowa. Spencer Rattler struggled. Sam Howell struggled. Uh, Matt Corral had a bad game in his biggest game. I don't think it's a direct apples to apples. But I think there's something to that where there just aren't those guys this year that are just elevating programs, and because of it, we're seeing a team like Alabama, like Penn State, like Oregon, like you know whoever. I think Oregon's a great example. It, they, they got all the other pieces. They just don't have a quarterback that can put them on their back, and I think that is part of why we're seeing this. No great quarterbacks equal no great teams. What do you think of that? I think there's something to that. I also think I would go a little bit further and in a different direction and say this. My uh, broadcast partner here in Nashville on a day-to-day basis is Ramon Foster, who played 11 years in front of Ben or yeah, basically protecting Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. And he has made this point over and over again, and I've started to watch it differently as he's educated me a lot over the last 14 months. And one of the things that he has repeatedly said is offensive line play is terrible in football right now. He talks about it in the NFL. He talks about how a guy like Jason Peters is still in the league and how many bad O-lines there are. And he goes, and in college, it's so much worse. And so when you look at a lot of this, yes, 
quarterbacks are going to look a lot better when they have time to throw. A lot of these guys don't, but I don't discount what you're saying either. I'm just saying I would go further and say I don't know that there's that quarterback, although I think Matt Corral's pretty close. I do think Matt Corral is awfully good. And I think Bryce Young's young, no pun intended, but I think he's, he can get there. And there are some other guys that can get there. I do think that Howell and Rattler both being very just kind of average compared to what you thought they would be when they were expected to be top five picks – there's there's definitely something to that. I don't know that you have the dynamic guy right now. I think Corral might be the closest thing, but I mean, other guys that you could have mentioned, Baker Mayfield was the number one pick. He made it to the college football playoff. Even a guy like Darnold made it to the Rose Bowl that year, and then his aura began, and he ended up being a top two pick in the draft. So a lot of this, if you don't have great quarterback play, a whole lot of other things can happen. I do think college football has always sort of been this way, except that the quarterbacks in college haven't had NFL careers. A lot of guys that were winning Heisman's were like Eric Crouch and people like that who were great in college but weren't going to have great NFL careers. Tim Tebow would be another fantastic example or a Johnny Manziel or somebody like that. I just think I don't know that you see Peyton Manning out there right now. So that backs up your point. But I also think the line play is lacking across the country. Well, and then let's take that even a step further is, you know, why is the line play struggling? Well, why is the line play struggling in the NFL? Uh, collective bargaining agreement, fewer padded practices, less hitting in the preseason. Well, what happened this year in college football? They cut back on hitting in the preseason. I mean, I, I know somebody who knows Nick Saban, and he spent all of August complaining that he couldn't put his guy in pad. He couldn't put his guys in pads mm-hmm. um, all fall long, and so maybe that is something to it, where it doesn't really affect a team like Georgia as much that has a bunch of veteran guys. It doesn't affect. Um, you know, even A and M, A and M along the lines has a bunch of veteran guys. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I hadn't really considered that angle of it, but I think there's something to it where the teams. I think the other factor too, now that we're talking it through, and I think this has turned into a really good segment because I think it's making me think here. Is I think the other factor is most of these teams that do not have elite talent. You know what ended up happening this year, Jason? And I know you know, but for the audience. Um, because of the extra COVID year, a lot of teams got a lot of guys back this year that That's were true. that were supposed to you know be out of eligibility. And and for people who don't know, you know the NCA gave everyone a blanket waiver uh, because of COVID. That you know if you wanted to opt out last year, even if you decided to play, you get an extra year of eligibility. Now at a place like Alabama, there's so many good players that you're basically going to leave. Um, and so you end up leaving and you know these they end up having their guys leave because they're going to go pro and make a lot of money in the NFL whereas you know in Arkansas that's a great example now I'm not saying Arkansas is going to beat Alabama but they got they don't have a lot of NFL guys on their roster certainly not guys that are going to make a ton of money so they said let me come back for one more year and so I think all of these factors the one-time transfer where if guys just aren't playing they can leave I guess all of these factors now that I'm thinking about it probably are playing a role in why we are seeing so much balance across college football this year let me throw one more out um it's different when there's a hundred thousand people in the seat yes than when there's zero because last year a lot of these guys were freshmen that we're seeing play quarterback now it's just different now it doesn't it's not an excuse but it takes it it's an adjustment like you can ride momentum but momentum can actually crush you too i mean Spencer Rattler had to deal with people chanting for the backup's name last week. Like that was a thing that he had to endure, or two weeks ago, I should say, when when they were playing in primetime right in front of us. 
Like, it's just different. There's so much that the COVID year changed about a lot of these guys' lives. And look, I think it even, I think you can extrapolate it to life. Like, even us, like now that we're trying to get back to normal and all these other kinds of things, some things just feel weird. Like, even when I saw people storming the field in Texas A&M, I'm surprised there weren't a bunch of people running them off because they weren't wearing masks. Like, there's just so much that we're thinking about now that we never thought about before. I will say this about the quarterback point specifically. Usually, and I, you know, for the last several years, you know who's going to be coming out in the draft. And there's all this talk about, my gosh, this guy looks great. I can't wait to see him in the NFL. I don't have that feeling this year. Like, there's none of these quarterbacks. There's a few that I think might be fun to watch. But I want an NFL full of the best quarterbacks you can find, 1-32, to 32, so that you have this great flourishing league. And I think that you have a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. But are you looking around the landscape of college football right now and being like, man, I can't wait to see Sam Howell next year? <laughs> Stuff like that. like, And maybe we turn out to be wrong, and I, man, I hope we do. I, I want to see all these guys be great. But right now, it's just very mediocre across the country outside of just maybe one or two dudes, and even them, as you mentioned, like a Matt Corral, we've also seen blemishes there. We've seen cracks in the armor. He threw five interceptions against Arkansas last year. He exercised those demons today in a classic. But last week wasn't his finest hour. So... All of this, I mean, I think there's a myriad of different factors, and maybe what you do is you take a pie and say, well, it's this, and then it's this, and then it's this piece over here. There's a lot going on in college football that, I I mean, I think you could diagnose it in many different ways. I think you're making arguments for probably five or six different causes, all of which are probably right. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Eric Torres. He's Jason Martin. We will put a bow on this crazy, insane Saturday in college football. But right now, let's get to Steve DeSager with What's Trending. And it's still not over. The night in sports. We've got the fight in Vegas going on. They are in the ninth round. Attendance 16,000 or so in Vegas. Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder, apparently with a lot of action. A lot of hitting between the heavyweights. Wilder was down in the third round. Fury was knocked down twice in the fourth. They continue. Is this fight going to finish? A lot of blows thrown and landed and then the blow thrown texas a&m knocking out number one alabama 41 38 tonight on a field goal on the final play bama's 19 game winning streak is over as we mentioned earlier nick saban while at alabama had never lost to one of his former assistants 24 and 0 until tonight bama had beaten a&m head to head eight in a row so that streak is gone but the amazing one is over a decade now in the ap poll era the longest streak is over. That is, against unranked opponents, Alabama had won 100 straight games going back to 2007. That streak is over. Wow. 41-38, A&M takes it. Number two, Georgia, soon to be number one, is 6-0 and after winning at Auburn 34-10. to Number three, Iowa, soon to be number two, I guess, came back and beat Penn State 23-20. Oklahoma with a comeback over Texas 55-48. It was Michigan with two field goals in the last three minutes tonight, winning at Nebraska 32-29. Boise State upset number 10, BYU 26-17. Boise's record was 2-3 and three after losing to Nevada last week. By the way, among the late games, Nevada has a big halftime lead 31-7 against New Mexico State. UCLA has taken the lead 17-13 at Arizona early in the third. Yes, that's Arnie's Army. They playing more like this. 
Because if they lose tonight, they'll be 0-5 on the season. For what it's worth, UCLA's quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, had said this week he's not close to 100%. Well, he's 2 of 10 passing in this game. One touchdown, one interception, and they're still leading Arizona, which tells you a lot right there. Number 25, San Diego State won 31-7 over New Mexico. And two minutes to go, Tulsa leads Memphis 35 to 29. Among the other college football games tonight, an update on Western Kentucky's home game for a certain co-host. UT San Antonio is still undefeated after winning 52-46 against the Hilltoppers. The winning quarterback had six touchdown passes. The losing quarterback had five TD passes. TCU 52-31 winners at Texas Tech, and we had a four-overtime game tonight. Texas State 33-31 against South Alabama. Keep in mind, after the first couple of OTs, they just trade two-point plays. And even then, it went four overtimes total. Wild, wild day in college football. And we didn't even mention Notre Dame tonight. 11 points in the last two and a half minutes to win at Virginia Tech, 32-29. to to baseball. The Dodgers are about to even up their best of five against the rival Giants at a game apiece. L.A. leads with two outs, bottom of the ninth, 9-2 over San Francisco. Starter Julio Urias went the first five innings with five strikeouts. Game three's in L.A. on Monday night. Atlanta has evened up its series, shutting out the Brewers in Milwaukee today. 3-0, winning pitcher Max Fried. Six scoreless innings, nine strikeouts, no walks. The two AL Division series continue tomorrow, including on FS1 tomorrow night, Houston at the White Sox. Houston up two games to none there. The 49ers place tight end George Kittle on injured reserve with a calf injury. Boxing at Vegas, again, the fight still going on at last look. Tyson Fury is the WBC heavyweight champ, undefeated, 30-0 with one draw. They are into the late rounds. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Sager will rejoin us here in just a few minutes to get you caught up on all the other news that that we have not hit on here uh, in the last few minutes. But I do want to kind of put a bow on college football, Jason. Insane night. DeSager just told you, number one, Alabama falls at Texas A&M. All sorts of historical kind of numbers and figures. Uh, just insane. Um, you know, real quick, let, let's do what we do at this time uh, every week. Uh, what do we got? Uh, what do you think? Give me Jason Martin. Jason Martin is the one-man college football playoff committee. Now, thankfully, we are only halfway through the season. There are a lot of games left to be played. You have to pick four teams to represent college football in a playoff come Monday. Who are your four teams? See, this sucks because I think Alabama should be there in terms of how talented I still find them to be. But I can't in good faith. Like I just, I look at it and I say... I saw Stuart Mandela, the athletic, tweet this out. He said the likely AP top three tomorrow is going to be Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, which is crazy. Ooh, that in is itself. insane. So I guess I would understand that. Oklahoma's undefeated, so I guess I would have to put them at four if I was taking four teams, but I still find it hard to believe that Alabama's not one of, that's not better than at least two of those four teams. If not three of them, like if I if I saw if you put Cincinnati and Alabama on a neutral field, I'm taking Alabama. If you put them out there with Iowa, I've already told you I don't think Iowa's really a contender, even though I think they'll be number two in the AP poll. So I guess I would take. Gosh, this is just making my head hurt. I'll take Georgia. I'll take Iowa. OU's undefeated, and I think they're probably about to be better than we than we've seen. After what they did today, I don't think there's going to be letdowns. I don't tend to think so, at least. Uh, so I'll put Oklahoma in there. 
And gosh, I don't know. Just put Cincinnati. Cincinnati's undefeated. Yeah. I'll put them there. Well, and what I would say is this. We're now at the point where, you know, you can argue, um, you know, like losses now, there's enough of a body of work where, like, we do have to give Oklahoma for being credit for being 6-0, and um, even if their schedule isn't as tough as this team's or that team's or whatever. And so that's probably the right top four, as crazy as it sounds in some order, Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. All right, now I'm going to ask you the more, the more important question. Who do you believe right now? Who, who do you believe you can take it right now? You can take it where you think they'll be in in December. Who do you think are the four best team? Not not who's worthy of a top four ranking based okay. on what they've done so mm-hmm. far. Who do you believe are going to be the four or have the potential to be the four or anything like that? Even that's tough just because everybody has flaws. But I would say Georgia. I would say Alabama. And then it still gets tough because I still think Alabama's a top fourteen. Let, let me I, jump, I mean, let me give you. Yeah, two. go ahead, go ahead. Ohio State. Where I looked, I keep looking at them, but I don't know what to say about yes. Ohio State. I just don't like. I can't get there yet, but I know what they they were supposed to be the most talented team in the country well, going into this thing. Yeah, my whole thing is, you know, I think Iowa is going to finish the regular season undefeated. For people who have not seen their schedule, it is they will be a double figure favorite probably every other game. Uh, Purdue by at Wisconsin at Northwestern Minnesota. Illinois, Illinois, Nebraska, at Nebraska. At yeah, Nebraska. that's that is a case. that should be yes. If you don't make that, you absolutely should not play in in, in the final four. Well, yes, if you don't finish this job. And so you look at they have the easiest path. Um, I think it's probably a little unfair to discredit Penn State because they were ahead today comfortably when their starting quarterback went down. If he stays healthy, who knows what happens? Um, but I only bring it up just to say, like, you know. I look at the Big Ten East and I sit there and say, maybe Penn State, but we don't know the health of their quarterback. And then Michigan, like, I actually think I'm, I might at this point be the highest person on Michigan that's not a Michigan fan in America. You may well be. But I'll also say, like, I think the defense is unbelievable. But I would also say, do, do, am I ready to sit here right now and say, this is the year? Even though they are playing Ohio State at home, that they are going to no, I don't, I don't. I mean, until I see, you know, it's kind of like the Alabama stuff, right? Like until we saw the ball go through the uprights, final play of the game, like it was hard to believe that Alabama was actually going to lose tonight. And it's kind of the same with Michigan, where it's like I can be impressed by Nebraska, their defense, this, they're 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 doing this on offense until the score goes final against the, the you know the school from Ohio there, whatever they call them, the team up north, team down south, whatever. Until that happens, like I, I can't sit here and say Michigan's the best team, and so the, so by default, it's almost becoming Ohio State, at least to represent the East against Iowa in the West, and then we figure out who's best from there. But that that was why I brought up Ohio State because I can't get behind Michigan, and we don't know the health of Penn State, and all of a sudden you start to look up, and there's the there's the scenario that uh, Iowa or that Ohio State could be twelve and one, eleven and one going into the going into the Big Ten championship game. Let me ask you a few questions. Would you take Iowa or Oklahoma as a better football team? I think Oklahoma has more upside. 
I would actually take Iowa because okay. Iowa, they know right now, today, they know who they are. We're going to beat you low scoring. We're going to turn you over. We're going to put you in third and long, and we're going to make plays. Oklahoma, I don't, I don't even think Oklahoma knows who Oklahoma like, like, we had Chris Plank on earlier in the show, and he knows that program as well as anybody, and he doesn't know who's going to be the starting quarterback going forward. So uh, I'll try to be succinct with these answers, but I would say today, right now, this second, I would take Iowa, but I do think there's a chance that Oklahoma has more upside over the course of this season. Penn State or Oklahoma? I would have to take, oh man, that's a good one. I would, like, can I say... I would take Iowa. I, if I said I take Iowa, I guess I have to take Penn State, don't I? See, I look at it and I say this: if the Oklahoma team that I saw, if Caleb Williams is that guy, then I think they do know who the starting quarterback is going to be. If Caleb Williams is going to be the starting quarterback, and this wasn't just some kind of a fluky, everything worked and they weren't prepared for him to play and caught them off guard kind of situation, if he looks like this for another week or two. I'm taking them over Iowa and Penn State without much thought, as a matter of fact. Now, that's a big if, but I just looked at it. What I saw today, I just think Rattler, I think Rattler's days in Norman are numbered. I think it's Caleb Williams' show, and I think, or, and I think we're going to find that out relatively quickly. And that Oklahoma team, the way they seem to be playing with him and the chemistry that he seemed to be having with those wide receivers down the field, looks like Eric Gray is getting stronger and getting better uh, at the running back position and Kennedy Brooks, of course, like... I I think Oklahoma's about to about to rattle off some solid wins. Now they got TCU next week. So if Williams plays, you're gonna find out real quick whether or not he's for real. Uh, this is Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Aaron Torres. He's Jason Martin. A lot of college football, but there was also some boxing tonight. Steve DeSager, we got an update, don't we? It's been called a classic, an instant classic in the ring in Vegas tonight, and it's over. Tyson Fury has won on TKO in the 11th, putting Wilder down again. In fact, these first five, six rounds tonight were pretty even. It was the guy who wound up winning Tyson Fury that was knocked down twice in the fourth round. Round before that, Wilder was down. Eventually, Tyson Fury wins it TKO in the 11th round. So he goes to, as WBC heavyweight champ, 31-0 with one draw, 22 KOs at age 33. It's, wow, action-packed and over in Vegas. Back to you. No, thank you, Steve DeSager. Listen, speaking of action-packed, this show has been action-packed. Coming up, we will go back to DeSager to get us caught up on not only the boxing, college football, Major League Baseball playoffs, just an instant classic October Saturday. It doesn't get any better than this. I'm Aaron Torres. He's Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm- he is... Night like tonight, I mean, just we had MLB playoffs. We had... College football game after game coming down to the wire. And of course, the boxing match just went final as well. Here to get us caught up on everything that happened on a wild day in sports. Let's get to something in Vegas is over. Tyson Fury, the WBC heavyweight champ, wins a thriller on an 11th round TKO at 110 of the 11th. He stays undefeated, beating Deontay Wilder at age 35. Uh, he's 42 and 2 with one draw. The champ, age 33, at least the WBC champ, Fury, 31-0 and with one draw, 22 KOs. And the champ of college football was dethroned in this season, no longer ranked number one come tomorrow. Texas A&M at home, absolutely stunning Alabama, 41-38. The defending champs had scored 21 straight points to get the lead with five minutes left, and it still wasn't over. Zach Calzada with the tying touchdown pass with three minutes to go, and then he went to the sidelines. We think he's hurt. He's not coming back. They're they're warming up the backup, and still the Aggies get the ball back. They get a 15-yard pass interference call to get a little closer for the final field goal attempt, and here's how it sounded. 28-yard attempt by Seth Small. Is down. It is up. And the fighting Texas Aggies take down the top-ranked Tide, 41-38. to Number one goes down, and the celebration is on at Kyle Field. Everybody. 
everybody in town went on the field. Andrew Monaco from Learfield with the call. And let's not forget the third quarter when Bama was coming back. Remember they had that block punt and recovered it just barely in the back of the end zone. They didn't overturn the call. It counted as a Bama touchdown. What happened right after that? The ensuing kickoff, A&M ran it back 96 yards for a score. Like, okay, this team's not going to wilt. We really have a game now. A team that was about a 17-point underdog wounds up beating number one. We mentioned earlier in the show, Bama had won 19 straight games. They'd beaten the Aggies eight straight head-to-head. And here it's an unranked team that takes care of Bama. A team that you you actually quite accurately mentioned a and season earlier in the show. We didn't see this coming because we've actually seen A&M play this year. That's why we <laughs> That's right. didn't see it coming. And yet here they're ahead of Bama 24-10 at the half. So it had gone back to 2007 since Bama lost to an unranked opponent. They had won 100 straight against an unranked opponent. So the last time in the nation that an AP number one had lost to an unranked opponent was when USC 2008 lost to Oregon State. That had been 106 straight games that the number one had beaten an unranked opponent until tonight just incredible so number two for the moment georgia is six and zero, a team that still hasn't allowed more than 13 points in any game today at auburn stetson bennett two touchdown passes in a 34 10 win auburn as a team 29 crushing including four sacks while georgia had over 200 yards rushing so auburn's four and two which sounds kind of impressive but the four wins are against akron alabama state georgia state and lsu lsu mm. was down at kentucky tonight 35 7 early in the fourth quarter. Tarmac game. Tarmac game. <laughs> Quarter- Sager, were you on air when Lane Kiffin when yeah, that situation Coming happened? back from ASU. Uh, quarterback Will Levis of Kentucky, a transfer from Penn State, by the way. Five total touchdowns for that huge lead. 42-21 was the final. Kentucky is 6-0. and Any guess who Kentucky is playing next Saturday? The only Georgia. They yeah. are at number one, Georgia. The only two undefeated teams in the SEC, as mm. Jason said, like like we were just all expecting. I mentioned Penn State's name. They were ranked number four in the country. They did have a twenty to ten lead at Iowa late in the third quarter. Iowa today punted nine times, but they went three for three <laughs> nine times. Three for three on field goals, including the forty-eight yarder late, and they win uh, twenty-three to twenty. Uh, but 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 Steve, if they hadn't lost the big red dog in the second quarter they probably win the game that's my dad brain talking clifford the big red dog sean clifford did throw two interceptions before he was injured before halftime the backup came in and threw two more interceptions penn state had 10 penalties in the loss Thank you, Steve DeSager. Oh, my goodness. What a Saturday. College football, MLB, boxing, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Coming up, I think we'll finally get to some NFL. We haven't had time, but busy week five slate. So much to get into. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. As the man told you, I am Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Should mention, by the way, 20 minutes Bernie Fratt will be coming up. He, of course, hosts straight out of Vegas, top of the hour. He's going to have some really insightful stuff on week five of, of the NFL. Uh, I asked him a, a little bit of a college football question. I'm curious if he's got an update on. But Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover's accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations may apply. So, 
Crazy day of college football. If you missed any of it, uh, please go back, download the podcast after the show. It is officially time to move on to the NFL slate. Uh, Very exciting slate, Jason, and I want to get to a bunch of the games in a minute. But before we do, um, you know, listen, we've had these these Thursday night football games here for a while, uh, several years now, and, and there's a lot of times where I don't really know that there's very much to take out of out of a Thursday night game. This week was not the. This week was not that that time because uh, we now know Russell Wilson with the with the hand injury, the the finger injury. He's going to be out for. He is going to be out. Excuse me, four to eight weeks. Seahawks defense was already reeling. Uh, many believe that Russell Wilson was basically the guy holding together this organization by by duct tape. And so, I know that there's a lot to get to tomorrow. But I think it'd be remiss if we didn't at least address such a big issue, because I, I you know, I don't want to get put the cart before the horse. But it feels like we could be seeing the beginning of the end of kind of an era here in Seattle with the way everything's going down. Look, I said before this season began, I didn't think Russ would be back next year. It just sounds to me, and if you read some of the things during the off season. Look, this is a guy that wants all the billionaires he can have in his phone as possible. He has lots of plans post-football. I think Seattle isn't where he wants to be. Nothing against that city, but I think him and his wife both have dreams of being near more movers and shakers, if you want to put it that way. So I don't know where that leads him, but I also think that he can look at this team and see stagnation. He can see a real conservative approach from his head coach, a coordinator that was there way too long. And I just feel like the defense is not very good. They have a few very talented players, but that's about it. So a lot is put on his shoulders. And if the play calling isn't good, and it's often been, in the in past years, it's been run on first down, run on second down, it's third and 20. All right, Russ, go do something. And then that turns out to be it. Now it's, they let him work a little bit early. And then if it gets to third and short, for whatever reason, they just continually run the ball third and three. We're going to run it. We'll run it on fourth down as well. I think I heard Dan Patrick say that at some point last week. He's not wrong. Like Seattle coming into the year, one thing I felt real good about was that I felt like they were overrated. When I saw them being put in top seven in the NFL status, I was like, based on what exactly? The defense isn't good. I like DK, but I, you know he's still a work in progress in some ways. I still really like him. Tyler Lockett's a great receiver. Russ is a Hall of Famer. The running backs don't frighten you. Chris Carson's fine, but I mean it's not like you've got Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry or somebody like that in your backfield. So I always thought that they were over overvalued, and I think Russ does too. I think Russ wants a bigger market. I think he's out of there. If I thought this injury was any worse and it wasn't just four to eight weeks that he was out, I'd say he's played his last game in a Seahawks uniform. But in terms of it being a closing the book on an era, two eras I think that are closing right now in front of our very eyes are Seattle with Russell Wilson and maybe with Pete Carroll and Ben Roethlisberger in the Steelers mm-hmm. window. Those are the two windows that are shutting right now behind long-term, easy Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I'm not You can't say it with New Orleans because that one ended when Drew Brees retired. But if you want to look at Roethlisberger Steelers and Russell Wilson Seahawks, those seasons are over. Like The Steelers aren't turning it around. Roethlisberger is done. The offensive line's terrible. They can't move the ball. Nothing is working out right now. He should have retired. He came back for whatever reason, whether it was to get paid 
or for pride or whatever for whatever reason it hadn't worked. And then in Seattle, it was already the toughest division in football. That season's a wrap. And I just think that Russ knew he I think he I think he startled the grass. He kind of he moved the grass to startle the snakes in the offseason with everything that he hmm. said and did. I like he that. came back for one more year and that was it. The snakes are startled. I think he's done in Seattle. So a lot to peel back there. Um, you know, what I would say is, you know, I do think, um, you know, I think, first of all, there's a lot to say about both uh, Seattle and uh, Pittsburgh. We'll start with Seattle. Um, I agree. And, you know, you look at kind of the, the short term and long term of this organization and, and I sit there and say, you know, Pete Carroll and, and that front office has whiffed on a few draft picks. The fact that they are missing a bunch of draft picks going forward after trading for Jamal Adams, the run game, it's just, you know, I, I really, I, I don't think I'm, you know, breaking any news here to say that I really do think that Russell Wilson has covered a lot of the warts that they've had because he's so talented, because he can do so much on his own. And I think the two parallels that uh, these two organizations have, you know, you bring up the Steelers, is they both play in such tough divisions. And, and we know the NFC West is the best division in football. And so let's transition to Big Ben and the Steelers because, you know, you start to look at that division and Cleveland's on the way up. We're going to talk about Cleveland as they travel to L.A. tomorrow. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are no longer a pushover. They're 3-1. and one, And I know, you know, the, a couple of the wins, obviously, you know, most recently against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which we're not even going to have time to talk about Urban Meyer today. Yeah. But, you know, they beat the Jags and obviously – took care of Pittsburgh pretty convincingly at Heinz Field and so you you look at this division that that's the other thing that strikes me is there were a lot of wins to be had in this division in the past and I'm not saying it's the NFC or the NFC West excuse me but what I am saying is all of a sudden you see everybody else on the rise you see I think in in three different ways unique dynamic offenses you know Cincinnati's based on you know kind of the 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 multi-talents of of Joe Burrow obviously Baltimore Lamar Jackson has different talents but that offense is built around him and then Cleveland it's it's Nick Chubb in the run game and and you look at Pittsburgh and what are they I don't know but they can't move the football uh you know you, you hit on all their problems but that's what strikes me with both of these organizations is it appears as though there's a lot of teams on the rise. By the way, NFC West, I didn't even mention Arizona Cardinals. Um, and, and, you know, you have these kind of two aging organizations uh, with quarterbacks, uh, one that's on the way out uh, because of age and the other one, I'm with you. I don't know how much longer he's there just because of where the organization is heading. Yeah, and look, I don't know how many more years <clears throat> Russ intends on playing football. I know at times he's mentioned his 40s and different things like that. But again, he and his wife have plans. I think he wants to be an NFL owner one day. Like, that's the kind of aspirations that he has. I don't know if he wants to act or what he wants to do. And I know that, you know, you have a jet or whatever you can fly from Seattle to L.A. But let's just say LeBron James ended up in L.A. And he's also got a production company. And that had to be factored into decisions. Like, well, do you want to live in Cleveland or do you want to live in Los Angeles? As much as you might wish that people wanted to stay in small markets, a lot of times they don't. Now, Seattle has been good to Russ, and Russ has been good to Seattle. But I think if he looks at that franchise, this is the other thing that he wants. I think Tom Brady ruined everything last year. I agree. Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl fried the brain sockets of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson because both of them are one Super Bowl quarterbacks. They won one each. Aaron Rodgers has never been back. 
Russell Wilson lost his second one because of the play call and not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the end of that game. You look at all of that. The one thing those guys want is a second Super Bowl because it puts them in different air. It puts them in rarefied air. There's a difference if you can win the second one. It was important for Peyton Manning to get that second Super Bowl, even if it came sort of not because of him the year that they won it. The year they didn't win it, it would have been because of him because he was great that year. But you win one Super Bowl, it's one thing. Trent Dilfer won one Super Bowl. (laughs) Brad Johnson won one Super Bowl. But you win multiple Super Bowls. It puts you in a completely different classification. Well, so you look at Brady winning and going somewhere else and doing it. So now Russell Wilson looks around and he's just like, well, do we have what it takes to win a Super Bowl within the next few years before my skills aren't going to be what they are now? I think the answer is no. And then with Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers just, his brain died the minute they lost the NFC Championship game. And it had already been festering because he didn't like the front office. I think he's fine with the head coach. I think he's fine with LeFleur. But that's about where it ends. So I think their brain's completely fried. Every quarterback all of a sudden wanted a change of scenery if they thought they were good enough to win a Super Bowl and the organization was holding them back. Let me mention one third one real quick. Deshaun Watson. Yep. A guy who had ridiculous stats last year on a four-win football team in Houston. The offseason... And I'm not talking about everything off the field. I'm talking about what was going on with the organization and Deshaun Watson when he demanded a trade, said he would not come back, all of that. Those are three quarterbacks, MVP-level quarterbacks, that all cause serious ruckus off the field for their organizations within weeks of Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. Well, and it, we've talked about this before, Jason, but I think part of it, too, is the freedom with which Tom Brady had when he got to Tampa Bay. And I don't mean freedom of, of offense, freedom of... I mean, like, he literally had a hand in, well, we're bringing in Gronk. Well, we're bringing in Antonio Brown. And obviously, we know Antonio Brown. It was down to Tampa Bay and one other team. We know what that team was. It was the Seattle Seahawks. And so I think all of these factors play into it. But, I, you know, I just look at this Russell Wilson thing and, and you know, I, I think that it's kind of, like I said, it, it does feel like the beginning of the end. The only saving grace really for Seattle is that they do have a somewhat manageable schedule going forward. They play at, at the Steelers next week. We just talked about them. The Saints at home. The Jags at home. Uh, and then they get a by and then they play the Packers and so you know you talk about a five week uh, you know four to six week uh, um, you know timetable on when he may come back that is a manageable schedule and so you just wonder you know if they can get through that three and one then they could very well be still in the mix but of course if they don't they're going to have games uh, with Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams coming up so wait a second though the problem is who's quarterback Geno Smith? You don't time. believe in Geno Smith? No, no. Well, my only, I knew the answer when I asked that question, no, by I, the way. But, I mean, my only thing is, you know, we just talked about the Steelers. I am not a believer in the Saints. I think, you know, the Saints are hot and cold. They can turn it on and off. And, obviously, the Jaguars, it goes without saying, it's an uh, uh, organization uh, a little bit in turmoil right now. And so I'm just saying if you have to lose him for a minimum of four weeks with the buy included in that stretch, you could do a lot worse. That was the only point I was trying to make. Yeah, no, that's not it. That's not wrong. I just I wonder if you're Russell Wilson. Do you rush back? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because it's about the future for Russ. I look at this season as a wash for the Seahawks already. 
Like, yeah, you never know what happens. There's a lot of football that's left to be played. But I look at it, I'm just like, I think they're done. I think their fans probably think they're done. I think Russ thinks they're done. And if if I'm Russ and I think they're done, like I definitely don't want to leave on bad terms. But do I want to push myself too fast and risk further injury when okay. I'm expecting and hoping to end up in a new destination with a fresh start potentially after this? I just... It'd be, it's difficult to know exactly what's running through Russell Wilson's head right now, but I don't think he thinks that his team is going to win the Super Bowl this year, even if he comes back in four weeks. And I think that right there is enough to... It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do over the next month and certainly two months once we know more about Wilson's deal. But yeah, Geno, yeesh, man, that's a... That's a... That's a that's a difficult scenario right there for Seattle. I will be honest. Um, I did not know he was still in the NFL. Until- I didn't either. I was shocked. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I was trying not to be – I don't want to be rude to the guy, but I had no clue he was still in the NFL. None. Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, Geno Smith now in the game. I was like, oh, he's he's still – like, he's just one of those guys. I thought he was probably like a high school quarterback's coach somewhere, just hanging out, you know, living off uh, paychecks from the last couple of years. But, nope, he is still in the NFL, and the Seahawks season is in his hands. So, this is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Coming up, we will head out to Vegas, and what a day it is to head out to Vegas. Bernie Frattle will join us. He, of course, hosts Straight Out of Vegas. Going to get us caught up on the fight tonight on college football, NFL tomorrow. This is Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. 
John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game winner I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Do want to get out to the phones. Bernie Fratto, you can hear him straight out of Vegas, Vegas top, top of the, of the hour. hour from 11 p.m. Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, or 11 p.m. Pacific to 3 a.m. Pacific, which of course is 6 a.m. Eastern time. Anyway, I'm tripping over my own words. Bad introduction. Bernie Fratto, how you doing, Bernie? Huge night in sports. One heavyweight goes down. 91% of the tickets run Alabama. They lose outright. Another heavyweight, big night, Tyson Fury. 75% of the tickets were on him. He knocks out Deontay Wilder in the 11th. So what was the scene in the city like tonight? I mean, I have to imagine uh, we got college football. We got NFL tomorrow. We got a big fight. We got MLB playoffs. Can you get a seat in a sports book right now, Bernie Fratto? Well, you can, but you got to get there early. I spent a lot of the afternoon at the South Point today, and it was absolute pandemonium starting at about 9 a.m. this morning because there were a lot of great college football matchups. But like you said, you've got Major League Baseball playoffs. you got everybody getting ready for the NFL tomorrow and then the big fight tonight. There was even a UFC card. So October, as I've always said, is the most exciting month in sports, and uh, this October so far is no different. Bernie, I don't, I'm not a gambler for – for my own reasons, but I look at a night like tonight and I think to myself, thank God. I think, <laughs> thank goodness I'm not. Sell me on why anybody would do this when you see stuff like an 18 point dog in Texas AM, uh, not just covering, but winning the daggone game outright. Like, I just look at sports and I'm just, I'm relentlessly pleased that I don't lose money hand over fist trying to figure this thing out. So really there are two answers to this question because 98% of people who bet are merely recreational, they're adrenaline junkies, they get high making the bet. Then when they watch the game, they find themselves, you know, it enhances the viewing participation of the event, it feeds their competitive spirit. Most gamblers, frankly, are upwardly mobile, they're educated, they have good jobs and lives, they just like to do this. Only 2% of the people out there that do this do it to really make money and they're very very serious about it people want action as far as alabama if you followed Sabe in the last few years honest to god he alabama has made so much money for their backers people are just going to keep climbing on them they bet them first half they bet them game they bet them preseason whatever the case may be you know futures uh, they just put up a prop this week guys Alabama or Georgia to win the national title versus the field it was minus 220 so you could take Alabama or Georgia you get both of them actually and $220 would win 100 versus everybody else the theory you know that they they might even meet in the final game so it's a lock so that's how much confidence 
people have in Alabama. But what people have to realize, even the pros, the best pros only go 55, 56% of the time. So if you're really doing this and you're really serious about it, which only 2% of the people are, you realize, uh, Jason, it's a long haul and it's a grind. And you try to show a little bit of profit every week. And so you show a profit at the end of the year. So any singular event like what happened today, and if you bet money on Texas A&M, $100 bought you back 650 if you had the money line. So, Bernie, I do want to get to the NFL slate, but first of all, college football, you know, crazy day, Bama Falls. We're going to have a day tomorrow where Iowa and Georgia are number one and number two in the country. Um, one, do you have any type of power rankings that indicates like where gamblers actually see Iowa relative to uh, the two teams that we saw coming into today as one and two, Bama and Georgia? And then furthermore, uh, is it early enough to know if we got Georgia and Iowa on a neutral field what the point spread would be? And the only reason I ask is because I think a lot of people were impressed by that Iowa win today, but they also see Georgia at the very least playing at a different level right now so you use the term power rankings and absolutely all lines are driven by the fpi football power index which is a series of numbers put together by yards uh you know yards yards allowed yards gained points uh points allowed points scored margin differential and it's all there public record it's easy to google the uh, espn does a great job with the fpi power rankings and right now forget what happened today going into today georgia is actually a point and a half better than alabama on a neutral field, even though I would say a, a bookmaker was talk, talked to this week about he'd make the game a pick 'em. But to answer your question, uh, as of today, if Georgia were to play Iowa on a neutral field, Georgia would be about an 11.5 point favorite. Alabama would have been about a 10, a 10 point favorite based purely on power rankings. Uh, Bernie, uh, what are what are some of the best bets? you're looking at for i guess now today at least where i'm at in the country but over the next 24 hours or so or even monday night football as well what, what's what's happening in the nfl that you like this weekend well this is the toughest card i've seen in five weeks jason so the only game i've fired on for tomorrow is the under in the chargers browns game i got it at 48 it's now down to 46 and a half think it's a defensive struggle i feel like it's got 23 20 written all over it but i can tell you early in the week the three games the pros fired on right away were first the bills plus three against the chiefs they're riding that bills number one defense and they're only allowing 11 points per game the chiefs they're 30th in yards allowed on that defense uh it's a short price i realize it but they're playing the numbers here it's a game i'm nervous about i'm not on it but pros got on the bills plus three i think you'll see it two and a half at game time uh the patriots minus nine at the texans they the pros fired on that early in the week obviously bill belichick 28 and five against uh rookie quarterbacks and houston obviously they're they're terrible but now you find out that new england's got four offensive linemen out two COVID and two injuries. So I don't know how you fire on that game. You're going to pay a hell of a tax. The other game the pros liked a lot early in the week, the Broncos were getting one and a half at Pittsburgh. They're now laying one and a half. Denver brings the fourth ranked defense in the NFL into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's lost three straight. Denver's six and one versus Pittsburgh in the last seven. Steelers 0-5 as favorites in their last five. Money coming in on Denver. What's interesting, you know, guys, three college teams went down today, BYU, Penn State, and Alabama, still 13 undefeated teams. There's only one undefeated team, 
left in the NFL. And there's a preseason prop that you could have got the Arizona Cardinals at 50-1 to to be the last man standing undefeated team in the NFL. What's interesting is they host the 49ers tomorrow, laying five and a half. The 49ers will be starting Trey Lance, which is exactly why I'm not betting that game. Trey Lance hasn't shown me anything, but there's an interesting trend. You guys always hear about coaches coming after a bye, how prepared they are like Andrew Reid. Now we're starting to find trends going into a bye. And if a team is heading into their bye week and they've got a divisional game, they're 38-11 and 11 against the number since 2013. That is the San Francisco 49ers. But again, why is it such a tough card? I don't know how you back the Niners with Trey Lance starting. Last one for me, Byrne. Um, you know, the KC-Buffalo game is the game that obviously Sunday Night Football, a lot of people are excited. I don't know if anything has changed in the last week or two, but I just remember you having some incredible stats on what KC's overall win-loss record has been relative to their against-the-spread record over the last year and a half or so. Well, they finally covered last week. You knew they were eventually going to do that. But prior to that, in their last 15 games, they were 2-13 and 13 against the spread, even though they were 12-3 and three straight up in those games. So Kansas City's been expensive. They're not tomorrow. If you're ever going to bet Kansas City, tomorrow might be the day because you're never going to get Patrick Mahomes at home minus 2.5 in a standalone game. If I fire tomorrow night, it probably will be on Kansas City. He is Bernie Fratto. You can hear him at the top of the hour straight out of Vegas. He will be on starting at 11 p.m. Eastern time with McKenzie and all the guys. And then, of course, from 12 to 3 a.m., 12 to 3 Pacific, 3 to 6 Eastern, getting you ready for this loaded Week 5 slate in college football or NFL. I'm all over the place. It's been a long night, Bernie Fratto. You're going to get going here at the top of the hour. Thank you for the time, Bernie. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. Enjoy your day tomorrow. Thank you, Bernie Fratto. He is Bernie Fratto again, top of the hour, straight out of Vegas. My brain uh, is fried from all the sports that we've had today. So for the final time, let's get to DeSager. Get us caught up on everything you've missed today. Oh, it's been great. We'll start with the boxing in Las Vegas. Tyson Fury wins with an 11th round TKO, beating Deontay Wilder. WBC heavyweight champ still undefeated, 31-0 with one draw. Now, Fury, the winner, was dropped twice in the fourth round wound up dropping his opponent a couple more times over the rest of the fight. And then there's the upset in college football. At Texas A&M, a field goal on the final play beats number one ranked Alabama 41-38. Bama had won 19 straight games. They had won every game they'd played the last almost two full years since losing a high-scoring game to Auburn. Most impressively, A&M ended the Alabama streak of 100 straight wins over unranked teams. The fact that a ranked team lost, well, we had a few more of those today. In fact, through the first five weeks of this college football season, 34 ranked teams had lost the most in the AP poll's history. Add a few more, including Alabama tonight. We're up to 40 ranked teams already losing games this year. At Kyle Field in Aggieland, nearly 107,000 fans tonight. I believe 106,000 were on the field after that game ended. An incredible, incredible contest. Meanwhile, number two, Georgia still undefeated after winning 34-10 at Auburn. Iowa will likely play in the Big Ten Championship game on Fox TV early December. Iowa's last six games are all against unranked opponents, and at home today they came back to beat number four Penn State 23-20. Penn State threw four interceptions. Oklahoma comeback win over Texas 55-48. Kennedy Brooks, two fourth quarter touchdowns, including the game-winning 33-yard TD run on their final play. He had over 200 yards rushing. 
but the craziness was just starting. Michigan is still undefeated after two field goals in the last three minutes, salvaged a win at Nebraska, 32-29. Nebraska's only wins this year, by the way. They're 3-4. and four. The three wins were against Fordham, Buffalo, and Northwestern. Boise State, a winner at number 10, BYU, 26-17. BYU with four turnovers, nine penalties, and they blew an early 10-0 lead. BYU playing at Baylor next week. As I recall, BYU finishes at USC. The Trojans lost at home tonight. In fact, USC was trailing Utah 35-10 with about 10 minutes to go. They lost 42-26 to the Utes. So AP has this note tonight from the Coliseum. USC has not dropped three straight home games by at least 14 points each ever until this year. That is how bad things are going with the Trojans. By the way, their rivals, UCLA, have the late game. They are finally pulling away at winless Arizona. Bruins 31-16 with about seven minutes to go. So the mighty Wildcats... (laughs) are going to be 0-5 on the season. Old Miss 52-51 winners against Arkansas as the Razorbacks missed a two-point pass with no time left. Arkansas had 39 first downs and did not win the game. Ohio State and Michigan State with wins. Notre Dame tonight scored 11 points in the last two and a half minutes for a 32-29 decision at Virginia Tech. The Irish got a touchdown and two-point pass. Then a three and out by Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame kicked a 48-yard field goal near the end for the win. Notre Dame's off next weekend and then hosts USC. Kentucky 6-0. Next Saturday, Kentucky at Georgia. Tonight, Kentucky led 35-7 early in the fourth quarter and beat LSU 42-21. Wake Forest is 6-0 after an overtime win at Syracuse 40-37. And Wake ranked 19th. Their next three games are at Army against Duke and at North Carolina. And North Carolina lost at home to a Florida State team that was 1-3. and three. In fact, FSU trailed 10-0 but still won 35-25. Quarterback Jordan Travis, five total touchdowns. The Tar Heels are 3-3. Three and three. Also in that conference, Virginia scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, including a short TD pass with under 30 seconds left to win at Louisville, 34-33. Connecticut is 0-7 after losing... To Massachusetts. Well, they didn't have their coach on the sideline. I mean, oh, so that's why. Lou yes, Spanos, you know, you, you don't just walk in with Lou Spanos and expect a duh. I mean, they should have beat Vandy last week. We all know that. So, Yeah, well, they've had close games against Vandy and Wyoming, but they've also lost to uh, Army and Holy Cross this year. Got shut out by Purdue, shut out by Fresno State. Fortunately, it's UConn against Yale on national TV next week. Set your DVR now. Today's game for UConn was tied 10-10 to start the fourth quarter. They lose to UMass. I just can't get over that. Attendance was 12,000, and yes, they stormed the field at the end. Did they really? Yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. I saw them lining up on the sidelines. Uh, I didn't see anything after that. I'll just assume they went ahead. Uh, There was space, after all. Florida and SMU with wins. San Diego State as well. The 49ers placed tight end George Kittle on IR with a calf injury. The NFL has a game in London each of the next two Sunday mornings. And uh, we have the baseball to mention that the Braves shut out Milwaukee 3-0, evening up that best of five at a game apiece, day game Monday in Atlanta. And the Dodgers are even at a game apiece after winning at rival San Francisco 9-2, the win to Julio Arias. Game three, Monday night in L.A., Max Scherzer against ex-Dodger Alex Wood. Back to you. Thank you, Steve DeSager. Have a great evening, Steve DeSager. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Uh, Week 5 NFL, as Steve DeSager said, starting early with the 9.30 Eastern kickoff, New York versus Atlanta. I'll say this really quick, Jason. The game's in London. 
if we're trying to spread the gospel on the NFL, they might send these teams back. I mean, I, I mean, if this is how we want to spread NFL football, I'm not sure that these were the two teams that we're supposed to send to London. I Ghostbusters too. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to send the bad sequel. Um, you want to send the top flight best thing that you have to offer out there. Look, I saw the Jets win last week. They sure did. Uh, but no one wants to see this. Like, this is not a marquee deal. I mean, I'll watch because I watch football. And Zach Wilson, I want to see if he's got, you know, a bit of an encore in him. And it's in, I will say this is sort of interesting. He beat the Titans last week, and now he's got a chance against their old OC that got mm-hmm. the head coaching job in Atlanta, who has a really bad football team uh, on his side. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm in London, I'm just like, really? <laughs> Like this is what you're going to ask export to me? I have I, I don't know what to do with this. As a matter of fact, uh, but we will watch it. Very good. Let's get to some of the games that are definitely not the Jets and Falcons. We will not be talking about that one very much going forward. Uh, let's start. I you know let's kind of start at the end. Monday, uh, Sunday night football. Buffalo KC. Obviously, a rematch of the AFC Championship game. And you know, Jason, I had told you throughout the week that I thought it'd be a fun segment to do kind of some stuff that we got wrong throughout the uh, first almost quarter of the season. Don't think we're going to get to it just because of time, but I bring it up because I will say this team that I've been wrong about. Well, I've been wrong about both these teams actually, but Kansas city chiefs were my super bowl pick. And I really thought with the way that they lost to the Tampa Bay bucks last year in the super bowl, it was going to be a revenge tour type deal. They were going to be coming for blood, and that simply has not been the case. Uh, they're obviously 2-2. Two and two. Could have beat the Chargers a few weeks ago. Did beat the Eagles last week, but that defense continues to struggle to get stops. Uh, the offense, it, it, you know, it's coming together, but it, it doesn't feel as unstoppable as it once did. Not saying this team can't make a run, but 2-2. Two and two, and another tough division where the, th- where the three teams in the division are all three and one ahead of them. Uh, this KC team, it's just not the team that I thought it was going to be. And now they're obviously going to play the best defense in the NFL tomorrow night in, uh, against Buffalo in KC. It's gut check time. That's, that's what it is for Kansas City. This is a game everybody had circled, circled on their calendar before the season started. Buffalo, Buffalo has all the hype, but think about this. They played the Steelers in week one and gave up 23 points. They played the Dolphins in Week 2 and blanked them. Miami's not very good, especially their offense. Washington, I'm not even sure who was playing quarterback for them that night. They gave up 21 in that game, but it really wasn't close. And then they beat Houston last week. I'm not saying it's phony. I'm saying that defense hasn't seen a ton of high-powered offenses. They've seen certainly nothing like what they're going to see against Kansas City. I still refuse to pour dirt on the Kansas City Chiefs. But it is gut check time. But that's about as as marquee a Sunday night game as you can have outside of Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. Absolutely. Let's uh, you know, you mentioned Tennessee Titans. You live in Nashville for people who do not know. I'm fascinated from this game from your perspective for two reasons. One, obviously, just like what do we get from the Jacksonville Jaguars? And, you know, we're we're now uh eight days into this Urban Meyer news cycle. You and I were actually on air kind of trying to figure out how far could we take it this time last week. What did we know? What did we not know? What was appropriate? What was it? We know what's happened now, okay? But the question now becomes has that team quit on Urban Meyer? Are they going to play for him do they believe in him can they listen to a message from him when he's telling them when you leave the facility don't embarrass us and he did that over the course of this last week Tennessee on the other hand you just mentioned Jason 
Uh, the fact that they did lose to the Jets last week at MetLife uh, in overtime. And I'm just curious from your perspective, you could take either team, you could take both teams. I don't know what to expect from either team in this game because Tennessee is struggling and Jacksonville internally, externally, on the field, off the field, just a complete mess. Titans are giving up nine plays this season of 40 yards or more. That's where I can start. They gave up a 50-plus yard play last last week to Zach Wilson. They gave up a couple of them to Kyler Murray. They gave up a one at least to Russell Wilson, maybe a couple. But they've given up a ton of them. There's been a busted coverage touchdown every single week this year for the Tennessee Titans. They also And Mike Vrabel, actually, I think he's lost, I want to say he's 0-4 against rookie quarterbacks. So he's lost to Zach Wilson. He's lost to Josh Allen. He lost to Joe Burrow last year with that atrocious offensive line that was in front of him right before he got hurt. That's not the only ones, but those are just the ones that come to mind now. So now here's Trevor. Trevor's better than Zach Wilson. Trevor looked pretty good on Thursday night football. The question is this, and I think this is why you asked the question. I don't know what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to look like. I don't know how distracted they've been. They might. I mean, I I can't imagine they have any respect for a guy that did not fly back on the team playing with them. Obviously, there's been a lot of distractions. Sometimes that leads a team to galvanize, not around him, but around themselves. To go out there out of pride and be like, screw this, he's not the Jaguars, we are. And then go out and win the football game. Against a team that can be beaten. There will be no Julio Jones tomorrow. There will be no Bud Dupree tomorrow. There's going to be other guys missing. There were 24 guys on the injury list for the Titans on Thursday. Absolutely nuts. And Tannehill hasn't, hasn't been able to develop chemistry with almost anybody. The, the one constant has been Derrick Henry, except when you need him to block. That's been the one thing he has struggled at doing. Tennessee usually rebounds well after a loss. I tend to think they will do what you would anticipate a team that was in the playoffs the last few years doing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just wouldn't lay a penny on it. Not at all. Not right now. Especially not seeing Trevor Lawrence start to play a little bit better. If DJ Chark wasn't lost, uh, I would feel a little bit better about it if I was a Jags fan. I think the Titans will win it. They may win it easily, but they are making life very difficult on themselves right now. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. He is Jason Martin. Jason just mentioned putting a pretty penny on some stuff. We will come back with our favorite picks of the week. Also preview another game or two before we get out of here. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Aaron Torres. Jason Martin wrapping up the show. Should mention top of the hour, Bernie Fratto straight out of Vegas. Get you caught up on the entire world of gambling. And then, of course, he will be on straight through till 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Jason, before we get to our picks, I just, you know, there's a couple games that I want to hit on really quick, uh, and then we will get to those picks. We have not talked much Chargers Browns. Big story in this one, obviously, Baker Mayfield, Torn Labrum in the non throwing shoulder. He did not look very good last week. Chargers, of course, do have a short week, though, because they played the, the uh, Raiders on Monday Night Football. What do you make of the, going into this one? It's a tough call because the Chargers really have been playing. Solid football, and Baker Mayfield is a question mark. And, of course, one of the big questions looming coming into the season was, will they pay him and what are they going to pay him? It feels like they will pay him, but what's the number going to be? 
The Chargers are really playing well. I find it hard to believe that they don't keep that going. This is Cleveland going West Coast. As great as Garrett is and as great as that defense has played at times, I think going on the road and winning this game against the Chargers is a tall order. I really think L.A. will win this game. Right now, I'm very impressed with Staley. He's sort of the flavor of the month as it relates to head coaches and you know, a lot of people kind of saw this coming, or at least a lot of people that, that I respect and like. And, I, and the more I see it, the more I like it also. And some of the things you hear his players saying about him, Joey Bosa saying, you know, we there's a whole lot of dudes in that locker room to, that are buying what he's selling. Those are real positives. It just seems like it's a real fun place to be. So I like the Chargers. Very good. With that said, let's get into our picks for the week. I will go first, and I'm going to start with that game, and I'm going to uh, back basically exactly what you just said, Jason Martin. I look at this game, and one, Chargers are playing really well. I think sometimes the short week can work against you. I think when you're hot, when you're playing well, you want to get back on the field and play again. They obviously don't have to travel. They played Monday night in L.A. They will play again. The other thing, listen, Cleveland's offense really struggled last week. Baker Mayfield, as I said, torn labrum. And, oh, by the way, the starting left tackle, Jedrick Wills, is out tomorrow. Give me the Chargers. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they cover and, of course, win. I look at Green Bay and Cincinnati, and that's on the road in Cincy, and that makes me kind of think, is this going to be one of these weird Packers games? I kind of don't think so. Like, the line right now is just three. I feel like the Packers are going to beat the Bengals by more than that. The Bengals are better than they were. There's no question about that. They've taken steps in the right direction. But are they ready to hold the Packers to a field goal victory or less? I don't think so. So I feel pretty good about the Packers tomorrow on the road. Let me play devil's advocate. I'll stay with that game. And, uh, you know, if I was in Vegas, I wouldn't be putting, you know, my entire life savings on this one. But Green Bay, let's go back a few weeks, right? Uh, uh, Lions struggle out of the gate in that one. Obviously, look, they get crushed by the Saints in week one. Struggle out of the gate against the Lions. 49ers need to rally to win. Steelers down 7-0 after the first quarter. A lot of slow starts. You're now on the road at Cincinnati. Remember, Cincinnati has an extra three days to prepare for this game. They played on Thursday night. I actually like the upset here. Uh, I am a believer in Joe Burrow and these Bengals, and I just think Green Bay likes to play with fire. It's a little, you know, kind of the uh, Aaron Rodgers MO. Give me the Bengals at home as a three-point dog. I could see why you would say that, but I could also say Cincinnati barely beat Jacksonville last week. So there's also that. Oh, I'll look. You. I'll take another one. This is a high line, but Indianapolis-Baltimore, it's now seven points. I think it opened at six and a half for the Ravens. Colts are not very good. They're just not. Their offense is not very good, especially their passing offense. I think the Ravens are playing really good football, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively. So I feel pretty good about the Ravens winning by double digits, even though that's a bigger number. Last one for me uh, before we get out of here. Detroit, a 10-point dog at Minnesota. I think they play hard. I think they play well. I think they cover the points against Minnesota, who's coming off a tough loss to Cleveland. But, Jason Martin, we got to get out of here, man. First of all, an absolute pleasure, uh, as always. Indeed. ton of college football. If you missed anything, go back and listen to the podcast. With that said, we got to get out of here. want to thank the crew. Don on the board, producer Bo, Steve DeSager. Coming up, Bernie Fratto, straight out of Vegas. Get you ready for it this weekend, NFL. This is Fox Sports Radio. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.